get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. The one-two. Inside corner, and that'll do it. The Dodgers move on to the NLCS where they will take on the Braves. L.A., the best record in baseball, and they sweep the Padres three games to none in the division series. This isn't fair. I don't (laughs) like watching the Dodgers. Remember the Padres team that looked unbeatable whenever they were playing the Cardinals in the second and third games of that series? That team just got whooped by the Dodgers. <laughs> they just got just washed. Just got their ass beat by the Dodgers in a three-game sweep going straight to the NLCS. Jamie, it is so hard for me. And by the way, he's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. You heard them over the last hour, a show that I thought was fantastic. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK. It's really hard for me to watch the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, the Braves, and think to myself, yeah, The Cardinals are really close. (laughs) Like those lineups are really similar to what I watch on a nightly basis here in St. Louis. This is ridiculous. Chris Taylor, just to kind of pull one guy out of the Dodgers lineup, right? He was their nine hole hitter last night in game three of the NLDS. For the season, he had an 842 OPS. Let me put some context on that for you. That would have been the second best hitter on the Cardinals this year. He was batting ninth last night for the Dodgers. Is that good? Nine. <laughs> That'll work. Is he that good? doesn't even start every game for him. Oh, he doesn't? No. Oh, he my. platoons at times. It's ridiculous, man. It is totally unfair. I thought weird stuff was going to happen in this postseason. The only thing weird is that nothing really weird has happened. Yeah, everything's kind of been expected. Maybe the Astros getting through the first round or doing as well as they've done. I think that might be the only kind of sort of Mostly because surprise. they were so bad in the regular season. Like Altuve was their best hitter and he was hitting like sub 250. We knew they had the talent though, right? Like we knew all of those guys have shown it before. They've shown it in the playoffs before. So it was a matter of them putting it together. And and without a trash can. And doing it without a trash can is going to be the really difficult part. Big deal. I mean, everybody wanted to see what this that that team would be without the 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 thought of maybe that they're cheating every Mm -hmm. single time they're at home. How do we look at these teams and say to ourselves though, yeah, you know, Add, add one guy to this lineup, but I think the Cardinals can compete with the Dodgers. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. I think they're two bats away. I'll take one, but I think they're two. The reason why I bring this up is because, like, we always talk about, hey, is it about the division or is it about really competing, right, for a World Series? I don't know how this team gets to really competing for a World Series right now when that's the competition. It's on a different plane. It's like they're playing a different sport. It's like right now, if I was a fan of the Jets in the NFL, and I was like, yeah, you know, we're probably one receiver away from competing with the Chiefs and the Cowboys offensively. Like, no, that looks like you're watching different sports. One is from the Stone Ages, and the other is, like, futuristic watching the Jetsons. Like, how do you compare those two things right now? 
Solid reference, by the way. That Jetsons. was good. I was hey, like, wait, wait a minute. How I'm not even alive for that. How do you even know the Jetsons are? He must I have fell into a up. YouTube wormhole <laughs> one night or something. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I mean, I, I don't want to use the word we can fool ourselves. Or that would be two words. But anyways, I don't want to say we fool ourselves into thinking we're one player away or one move away. And we talk about George Springer and we talk about other guys. And we talk about Francisco Lindor. We're going to need more than that. If not acquiring that, then the Cardinals are going to need more from players they currently have. And until that happens, I, to your point, I think they compete in the division, but overall, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think one bat and look, one bat has to be on top of everybody performing to their best capability that you have right now. But one more bat, one bat like a Cody Ballinger or a Tatis Jr. Somebody who's easy yeah, to find. One easy <laughs> franchise player bat. Somebody that can hit behind Goldschmidt or in front of Goldschmidt that can be productive makes them competitive with those teams because of the pitching, because of the defense, because of the bullpen. Like, let's be honest here. The Dodgers offense is incredible. Their pitching's incredible. Their bullpen's got a little bit of problems. Sure. Their closer can't even close a game out. Kenley Jansen. It makes you competitive. Doesn't make you better. Makes you competitive. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line from the 314. BK, did you seriously just compare the Cardinals to the New York Jets? No, it was just for effect. You got to understand. I knew you were going to pay for that one. Uh, it's, a, it's a fair critique, but it's just showing you how far it feels like right now. The Cardinals are offensively away from these teams that... Again, they just look like they're playing a different sport. I did have one other takeaway last night as I was watching some playoff baseball, Jamie. I was watching the Astros and I was thinking to myself, you know, we've been talking a lot about a particular outfielder that plays for the Astros right now that goes by the name George Springer. And then this morning, Ben Fredrickson even writes about George Springer and how great of a fit he would be here in St. Louis. He said uh, Springer won't be cheap. But because of his age, he won't be nearly as expensive as the in-prime stars who command the length contracts that the Cardinals tend to avoid. If free agency pulls him away from Houston, he's going to have to make an ap another apology tour for what happened in 2017. But here in St. Louis, it wouldn't last long. Talking about George Springer. I think there's a different Astros outfielder that we should have our eyes on, guys. Who's that? Michael Brantley. Ooh. Ooh. So Michael Brantley was somebody that we talked about whenever he signed with the Astros originally. He had a lot of injury concerns, though, at the time. He's like a 31-year-old free agent. He had some questions with his shoulder. He had missed a lot of time for the Indians, but was a good player whenever he was healthy. He never ha he doesn't have those injury concerns anymore. Over the last three years, played 143 games, played 148 games, and then this year in the 60-game season, played 46 games for the Astros. And in those three years... Hit 300 all three seasons. His WRC plus, which measures offensive success, right? And it adjusts for all the ballpark factors and all of that stuff. The only Cardinals hitter that's been better in that stretch of three years is Paul Goldschmidt. This guy's a really good hitter. Solid outfielder. Could probably play DH if you needed him to instead. I think that might be the guy that if you wanted to get him on a one or two year deal cheaper than George Springer, comes in immediately as your two hole hitter. I think he could be a guy that improves this line. Is if he available? Want to go that route. He's a free agent at the end of the okay. year. I honestly didn't even realize that he was a free agent. He makes a lot of sense for this Cardinals team if they're looking for a cheaper option that improves the lineup that they don't have to give a long-term deal to. What do you guys think about that? I like the idea of it. I think a little bit of it might be Dexter Fowler territory because he's old and because the injury history. And I mean, you're you're hoping that his bat can do what it's done in Houston. And again, it's a year older. But look, 
that's one of those guys that we've said you got to fly under the radar. George Springer's what everyone's looking at. If you're John Mozeliak and you do have financial restrictions for this upcoming season, you got to go underneath what people are looking at. People are looking about George Springer. Maybe you slide in there and you get a Michael Brantley for one to two years. I like the idea of if it's not George Springer, get somebody for a year. And if he's successful, continue to add on to that and then go into the next offseason willing to spend more money. What I like about it, BK, is no longer do you have to be holding a spot for some of these young guys, right? Because the biggest thing is, well, we bring in a guy like that for a year or two, he's, two, he's blocking the progress of player X or player Y, and we know who that is. O'Neal, uh, Lane Thomas, heck, even I'll, keep, I'll throw Harrison Bader back in the, in the pile again just because of his bat. And so if you get a guy like this into the lineup for a year or two, now you can maybe move on to the next big outfielder that's coming up. Dylan Carlson, obviously, he's not just a part of the future. He's a part of the now for the St. Louis Cardinals. And so he's going to be in your lineup. Dexter Fowler, I think, is going to be a staple as well. You bring in a guy like this, you know what? You're not blocking O'Neal anymore. You're not blocking Lane Thomas anymore because I think you've seen what you have to see. Now, I know there'll be pushback from certain people saying, well, we didn't really get to see what we had from Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas, guess what? That's Lane Thomas's fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody else, everybody else, Tyler O'Neill got plenty of opportunities this year, and Lane Thomas would have gotten those opportunities had he played just a little bit better. So I think we kind of know what we have. So the idea of bringing in a stopgap type guy who's a little bit older for a year or two, I think it really makes sense. That's kind of where I'm at. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and I did want to react to what you said about the Fowler comparison for Ario because... It is fair, right? He's an older guy that you're bringing in and you're hoping he can hang on to what he has claimed previously as a player. The the difference here, of course, is I think Brantley's going to get like a one-year or two-year deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get the four- to five-year contract that it took to bring in Agreed. Dexter Fowler. And so if you're only signing him for one or two years and it goes poorly in year one, well, you know, you tried. And now we go into the market next year. You've got all of that space available that we've been talking so much about. And then maybe you strike gold and you go get whoever that big bat is that you want next offseason. This is a stopgap. You're absolutely right. It's a Band-Aid that you're placing onto the current roster. But the reason why you're doing it is because you have Wayno potentially coming back. You have Yachty potentially coming back. You want to field a contender next year because you're not... As far away as it feels like you are offensively, and I do think they're pretty far offensively away from these other teams, you do have really good pitching. You have really good defense. And maybe there's injury luck that goes the wrong way for the Dodgers or the Braves, and suddenly you're in a series with them, and Brantley closes that gap a little bit. He's a guy that can help you. He can play left field. He can play DH. So maybe... If you're playing five games in a week, you put them out in left field three of those games, play them at DH two of those games, and you've got, for those three games, Carlson in center next to Brantley. And then on the other two games, you have Bader in center with Carlson playing in left field. Maybe you get some Dexter Fowler at DH. You can swing things through a couple of different ways. All of this is under the premise that the DH is going to be back next year, but I think this could be the type of a player that they're looking for as opposed to George Springer, who you're going to have to give four or five years to. It's going to be $25 million a season. I don't think they're going to be shopping in that particular lane this offseason. I think it fits the mold, too, for a John Mosellock move to kind of scratch the surface on a guy that's been in the league. He's got some success. You know, maybe he's, he's not in the superstar group. To me, it, it makes a lot of sense that the Cardinal way we talk of, this is one of those guys that fits in, pro- hopefully for the right price tag. He steps up and does the job. 
I think Mo, this is, I'm going to get Mo on the phone right now, actually. I found one. I found one that you guys like with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 11-12. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you guys would like to get involved in the show, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Very excited for our next guest, Jamie. He is David Kaplan. He's co-host of Cap and J-Hood weekdays from 7 to 10 in Chicago. I want to ask him about where the Chicago Cubs are right now in their life, uh, whatever cycle in there uh, with Theo potentially going elsewhere after this season. And what are their plans for the offseason? Are they really going to trade Chris Bryant? We're going to ask David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend David Kaplan. He's co-host of Cap and J Hood weekdays from 7 to 10 o'clock on ESPN 1000 up in Chicago. Cap, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? What's going on, boys? Absolutely a great day in Chicago after we beat up on Goat Boy Tom Brady. You forgot how many downs there were. So I got to ask you about the Cubs here in a little bit, but let's start with the Bears. What the hell happened last night? What am I supposed to make of these Bears? Am I a believer now, or what's going on? So I picked them before the season to go to the playoffs because they have maybe it's not the single number one defensive unit, but they're top six, top seven. I mean, they're really, really good. And we're missing Eddie Goldman, who's our big nose in the middle, who's a great run stuffer, and that's a big loss. It's significant. But when you have Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, I mean, we're loaded. Now, offensively, we've had our issues. I think it will get better. And I think it's a better football team that people give them credit for. They're lucky to be 4-1, and one, but as Bill Parcell said, you are what your record says you are. <laughs> All right, Cap. So, look, back with the Bears here again because my boy's Tom Brady, and oh, my gosh, I was like woof last night. But the Bears did an incredible job uh, on the defensive side. And like you said, they're, they're really, really good defensively. Now, with Nick Foles in there instead of Mitch Trubisky, does Nick Foles, did he provide just enough of a positive offensive vibe to carry them through? Like Mitch Trubisky's capable of ruining the game for you on offense. He stinks, Jamie. He stinks. Okay, I'm being kind of nice, okay? But Mitch Trubisky stinks on offense, and so it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Meanwhile, I think Nick Foles might be just enough offensively to keep this team competitive. Yeah, Nick Foles, look, he started the game the first quarter, quarter and a half, he was flat-out awful to the point where trending on Twitter in Chicago was the name Trubisky and replace Falls with Trubisky. That's how, how people feel. Look, Mitch makes plays with his legs. He's a really good athlete. He's really well-liked in the room. Like He's got all the intangibles. He's just not really good at processing that insanely complicated offense that Matt Nagy brought here. Nick Foles is. And so, yes, I think he's just good enough that if you play good defense, you don't turn the football over, Nick will make enough plays that the Bears can win 10 football games, maybe 11 football games, that people are going to wake up and go, 
whoa, we thought that was like a four-win team. How did that happen? Because they're really well coached. They have a great culture up there, and they have a really, really talented roster. Speaking of a good culture, good coach, talented roster, that all typically applies to the Chicago Cubs. And Cap, I wanted to ask you about what's going on with Theo because we all read the comments that he made earlier this week here in St. Louis and we're like, whoa, is Theo trying to get his transition playing here? What's going on? What can you tell us about what Theo's current situation is with the Chicago Cubs? Okay, so I reported last Saturday morning, I wrote a story that Theo Epstein, there is literally less than a zero chance that he is going to accept a contract extension if one was offered to him by the Ricketts. I did my homework on it. The Ricketts family loves him. They would extend his deal. He's got one year left. And Theo has made it clear from the day he was hired here that he was going to stay 10 years, and then he believes in the Bill Walsh philosophy, the late football coach, that after 10 years, the organization needs change and the executive needs change. The people under said executive need to hear from a different voice and the person needs a new challenge. And so he's never, ever run from that thought. And so now here we are, he's nine years in, and they've got a bit of a rebuild on their hands. I'm not talking about taking it down to the studs and losing 110 games. That's not what I'm saying. But what they do have to decide, Chris Bryant's got one year left, Rizzo one year left, Contreras two years left, Baez one year left, Schwarber one year left. What are you doing with those guys? Because if you're going to move them and get anything for them, it's got to happen really, really quickly. And from what I've been told, Theo absolutely wants Jed Hoyer to be promoted into his old job. And I believe that will happen. I think the family is on board with that succession plan. And I would not be surprised if Theo Epstein is no longer working for the Cubs in the next six months. He's got a year left. I, I'll be surprised if Theo's here for the remaining 12 months. I don't see it. All right, Cap, you kind of touched on it really quickly there. Uh, we heard this week that the Milwaukee Brewers, they're talking about, wait, look, we're going to be shedding some payroll here. Financial times are tough. And, of course, we look at the Cubs. And you just mentioned that these guys, a number of them on one-year deals left in their current contract. Are we looking at a situation here with the changing of the guard, Theo Epstein, and with the financial climate of the league? Is it possible that the Chicago Cubs could start just selling off some of their upcoming free agents? and just trying to recoup whatever they can for them at the same time by maybe saving some money? 100%. 100%. Now, again, they're not going to take this thing down and go, okay, we'll put an A-ball guy at first and an A-ball guy at (laughs) second. Oh, we got a double-A guy at short. Look, they're a major market. The Ricketts family has a lot of money. But the Cubs are going to lose because of the pandemic. The Cubs are projected to lose this year. About $190 million. That's a hell of a lot of money. I don't care if you're a billionaire or not. That's an insane amount of money to lose. They make about 68 to 70% of their revenue comes from game day operations. By that, I mean sales of tickets, sponsors, uh, beer sales, the hotel across the street, all of that stuff. And it's just a fact. 
None of that's being utilized. And so they have got themselves in a really tough financial spot. Plus, they're a billion, what's with a B, billion dollars in debt because they bought up all the rooftops, the land where the McDonald's used to be, where the hotel is now, the land where now is the office building with the Starbucks and the restaurant. So they're in a tough spot, not going broke. They can pay their bills, but they're going to move money and rebuild. I remember Tom gave me a famous quote back when he bought the team. He said, I felt like I woke up after a really great party and I saw one guy sleeping on that couch <laughs> and another guy on that couch and empty beer cans, and empty pizza boxes. And I'm like, I got to get this thing cleaned up. Well, they're not quite in that position now, but they're not far from it. What are you going to do with Chris Bryant? He's going to get $20 million in arbitration next year. Is he a $20 million player to you? He's not to me. Can't stay healthy. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, I love. He's my favorite player on that team. He's the face of that franchise. I think they'll figure a way out to keep him so he retires a Cub. Javi Baez, they were close to an extension that would have paid him almost $200 million, and the pandemic hit. What are you doing with Wilson Contreras? You're going to give him... $20 $20 million a year? What are you doing with Kyle Schwarber, who hit, what, a buck eighty-nine? I mean, they got some real tough decisions here, and I can guarantee you some of it will be money-motivated. I also had another general manager in the game tell me, if you can convince your owner, whether it's St. Louis or anywhere else, bite the bullet and spend a little extra money right now. I know times are tough. There are going to be insane deals available if you take money. You could find yourself with players on your roster going, how do we get that guy? That guy's really good. Yep. But it's like they always say, when the stock market crashes, keep buying. Buy the dip, right? That's that's what they always say, and that's probably what's going to be happening this offseason, Cap. I, I am curious. I wanted to ask you a little bit of a follow-up on the Theo Epstein philosophy of 10 years, get out. That's what you can do, and that's where, where you need to need to be. Because John Mosaloc has now been in St. Louis here locally for 13 years. This is going to be his 14th season coming up, and he does not obviously abide by that same philosophy. What is it that goes into that belief by him that he needs a, a, a restart for both himself and the organization after 10 years, in your opinion? Why does he feel that? Yeah. Uh, He just believes that after 10 years, things start to get a little stale. It's the same old, same old, and you need new voices, new fresh ideas, and he needs a new challenge. So I don't think he's leaving for another tech. I know he's not leaving when he leaves for another team, I think he will step back and reassess. And I could see two, three years from now, whatever he chooses to do in the interim will remain to be seen. But then I think he'll come back as part of an ownership group where he's made a lot of money here. Whether he gets this last year of $10 million or not, Theo's made just on the Cubs portion of his career somewhere around $40 million, maybe more maybe 50. So he could absolutely be a part of an ownership group. And he knows plenty of wealthy people that would want him as the front face of their team. And the guy making the decisions, three world series. So yeah, he's just always believed that from the first day I met him. Hey man, 10 years, you need to get re-energized 
and that's what I think he's going to do. It's fascinating. We always appreciate the time. He's David Kaplan. You can hear him weekdays from 7 to 10 o'clock on the Cap and J. Hood show up in uh, Chicago on ESPN 1000. Cap, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All the best to you and yours up in Chicago. You got it. Tell the people at Charlie Gito's, one of my favorite restaurants in the world. Absolutely, we will. That's David Kaplan here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate the time from him. I'm fascinated by that philosophy yeah. by Theo Epstein because I, I think there is something to it. Like, if you just think in your life, right, What if you did the same thing every day for a decade, around the same people every day for a decade, Eventually, there there becomes like, okay, this is what we do when we get in. This is who we talk to. This is the conversation. That's, it gets a little stale, right? And so I, I think there's something to it. And I do wonder if you look at here in St. Louis, for instance, and I'm, it's not a direct one-to-one comparison, but I just because we talked about Theo, I, I would like to localize it here a little bit. Mo's been here since 2007 as the lead baseball executive, at, at first the GM and now president of baseball operations, right? And so I, I do wonder, is there is there a jolt that is needed there? I, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying Mo needs to be gone. I think Mo's a fantastic baseball executive. I think he's one of the best in baseball, and I know a lot of our audience will disagree. That's fine. I think he's great at what he does. I wonder if there needs to be some kind of a jolt somehow, and I don't know how you bring that in to a baseball community here. I, I don't know what you do to get that. But I, I think there's something there as to what Theo Epstein's philosophy is. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good philosophy, although I also think that it's really smart. It's cagey, right? Because he gives himself this 10-year window, and he sells teams on that. Sure. He goes in, and he does whatever he wants for 10 years. And at this point right now, like if you look at his exit, he's not really leaving the team in great shape. So he comes in, wins a World Series. There's a life cycle to it. There's you a life cycle. Low, you get high, and then you start kind of on the downturn as he's heading out the door. So I think it's a strategy from Theo Epstein for sure. He comes in and it's like, you know, comes in and bam, I'm here. And then, okay, I'm out. I got our World Series, though. I move on to the next project. No, it's a good point. And it's the opposite here in St. Louis, right? It's it's here. It's steady. It's right in the middle uh, almost at all times or upper middle, right? It's like an upper middle class at all times in terms of what the team is going to accomplish on the field. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. There's a lot of NHL news to get to. Scotty Upshaw has a very interesting tweet that I want to read to these guys to get their reaction. Plus, Pat Maroon has officially signed somewhere and one of our favorite forwards that could have potentially come to St. Louis also off the market. We'll get to all of that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Just heard in the update, plenty of news around the NHL. A one-year deal worth $1 million for Bobby Ryan. He is officially off of the board for the Blues. He is going to be playing for the Detroit Red Wings. So Bobby Ryan officially off the market, Jamie. Also, Pat Maroon, two years, $900,000 per 1.8 total for Pat Maroon going back to Tampa Bay. Luke Shin also going back to Tampa Bay on a one-year $800,000 deal. Anything stand out to you in particular about Bobby Ryan, to the Red Wings, Pat Maroon back to the Lightning, Luke Shin back to the Lightning. Well, Bobby Ryan to the Red Wings, I think, makes a lot of sense for the Red Wings and as well for Bobby Ryan. They're in a rebuild there. He's going to be a top forward on that club. Again, he's a really good puck distributor. He's really talented offensively, especially uh, on the power play as well. Steve Eiserman is a great spot for him to land. If Stevie likes you, guess what? He's going to take care of you, just like the Red Wings have always tried to do with their players. Um, the big rig, I'm not surprised. 
Is anybody really surprised? Only thing I'm surprised at is that it was a two-year deal. But if you can get locked up for two years, take it. But if I'm Patty, boy, I'd want one year every year and just keep that. going around. There's a nice ring to have a guaranteed amount of money for it's two true. years, especially when a year ago, you, you know, you were kind of out there on the market, kind of looking for right. someone to knock at your door. I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, for two years in Tampa, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah. And I think the Lightning recognize just how valuable Patty was to that team on and off the ice and how much he's really beloved by his teammates. And they said, you know what? Let's make the commitment. And Luke Shen, again, a gritty, gritty, gritty defenseman who is going to be a fantastic six or seven guy who'll play, you know, 50, 60 games, won't hurt you. Unbelievable guy in the locker room. Uh, Braden Shen's brother, so Mm -hmm. comes from a great hockey family. And then one, too, that we didn't get to is Wayne Simmons, uh, signing yeah. a $1.5 million deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another gritty type forward that the, the league is looking at. It's amazing how people trying to... They, they, it's the copycat league sometimes, yep. right? Every year. The Blues win the Stanley Cup with a gritty team. Dallas Stars this year go a long way with a gritty team. Tampa Bay mm-hmm. adds grit to their lineup. They win a Stanley Cup. They hold on to Pat Maroon and Luke Shen, who are sandpaper guys. Now Toronto says, you know what? We got a lot of talent, but we don't have a lot of sandpaper. Hey, mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons, how about you come on in here for a year? Detroit's an interesting one for me, too, with Bobby Ryan, but it makes a whole lot of sense because the name, like, Players want to go to Detroit right now because of Steve Eiserman. You know you're going there and you're not going to win a cup right now, but you know what? You go there, you make a good impression, and if you're Bobby Ryan, three years from now, they might be competitive for how good Steve Eiserman is at rebuilding. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of those lower-level players go to Detroit. <laughs> it's crazy how usually you go to a team because, well, Connor McDavid is there yeah. or player X, Y, Z. People want to go to Detroit because Steve Eiserman. is I am a little there. surprised that he went there on a one-year deal as a prove-it kind of a deal, though. Well, You know what I mean? Like, I, I, no, nah, I'm not either. Well, he's getting paid still by Ottawa so he goes and he plays one year shows that look one I, I know well, wouldn't you want to do the reason why I say that is because it's not going to be a very good team next year right so wouldn't you want to prove it on a better team what if you go to Detroit and score 30 goals okay you're well, the best player on that team what he did and you know he wasn't really a big part of the Blues offense before leaving here um, and he provided some good punch and also to Bobby Ryan guys as much as we love the story He's had struggles. That's the other thing. It's a risk. It's a team risk, too. What if for some reason, God forbid this ever happened, what if he you know, falls off the path again? And now you've got a million dollars committed to a guy who may not even play half your season because he's got to go back to rehab or he's got some struggles, whatever. So I think it's a a very good um, agreement between the two sides. Sure, I just there were a lot of reports that yep. he was getting he was getting interest from basically every contender out there, and then he signs with the Red Wings. I found it to be surprising that he would go that route as opposed to the contender route, where maybe you you increase your value based on what you do not only in the regular season but also probably in the playoffs whenever you're going to one of those contenders. Let's not forget, too, the Red Wings still have like $20 million in mm-hmm. cap space. So maybe what we're not getting here is sure. Steve Eisenman telling Bobby Ryan, by the way, uh, player X and player Y are also going to be a part of this. We're yeah. going to be boosting our D. We're going to go after a goaltender. We got lots of money. This team could be, be competitive. playoff competitive. The in big, one year. And you go underneath the radar if you're Bobby Ryan. You don't want to go to a New York Rangers or Islanders because of what you've gone through. Like, you want to go to a team where there's not a whole, like, Detroit's big, but not when they're bad. So there's not a whole lot of media coverage. So Bobby Ryan can just play hockey. The big news, of course, here that we're following in St. Louis is Alex Petrangelo and what the news is going to be for him over the weekend. Last night, the Blues officially lost one of their advantages that they could have had by trying to re sign Alex Petrangelo. They were the only team that had the ability to sign him to an eight year contract 
Now that is gone. As of midnight last night, they can no longer offer that. They can offer the same term in terms of years of the contract as everybody else. They can offer up to seven years. So that is something worth considering. Yesterday, Alex Petrangelo did talk with Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, one of the quotes that did stand out to me on this in this article, Jamie, was when he was asked if he expects to hear again from the Blues, Alex Petrangelo said, quote, I would sure hope so. I can't read their minds, to be completely honest with you. I have no idea, but I would expect that eventually they would call again. That was Alex Petrangelo to Jeremy Rutherford. The whole article is on The Athletic right now. Where are we right now with this, Jamie? Because I saw earlier today, Vegas is now trading out Paul Stastny. (laughs) They are increasing their cap space. Your agent came on, on here and alluded to the fact that they're probably looking for a defenseman. And, you know, there's a pretty good one on the market that (laughs) we like here in St. Louis. Are we preparing at this point for Petro to potentially be gone by the end of the weekend? At this point, I would say we need to mentally prepare for, you know, number 27 to be in a different uniform next year. Now, it's not impossible that they get this done. And to my understanding uh, and what Alex says here with his quote is that they're probably going to talk this morning. And uh, I gather there was going to be uh, that Petro side was expecting an official offer, which means you get, you know, everything in an email and it's not like, hey, what do you feel about this? It's an actual deal. It's like putting a contract together and you know it's real. That's what I got when I moved out here. There you go. Right. (laughs) So that's it's kind of where we're at. But I also know that Alex Petrangelo, barring anything crazy, he wants to remove emotion from this. And so whatever offers he gets today, unless of course they're off the charts, he wants to process them. He wants to go through at least a minimum of the weekend into next week and process exactly what he's going to do, talk to his family, evaluate situations, which is really an incredible way to go about it for for a guy who's never been traded, never had this problem before. It's way better to not just jump on things immediately. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. All right, guys. So the St. Louis Blues have tweeted Alex Petrangelo has agreed to a seven-year contract. What? That is what I am seeing, unless I just got punked, which I don't believe I do. There was let me pull it was, to both of you guys. Let me, there was one that was from 2013. Yeah, there's nothing That's on their Twitter account. That's 2013. Yeah. <laughs> I just okay. I got even saw the blue check mark, guys. I no, even it, saw the blue check no, mark. Show me that screen again. And which is, by the way, it's funny because I almost got caught up. I, in I mean, it last it's the night. blue check mark, guys. Yeah, I didn't you, look at 2013. Yeah, if you look under the picture, it says September 13th, yep. 2013. So let, let this be a PSA for everybody. Don't get punked today. <laughs> I was looking around. And I was like, Ferrario like pointed at us. I didn't even see the 2013 guys. It's okay. It's okay, man. Bud. We're all good. Going back to the original point, uh, Petro, barring the fact that he might get a seven-year extension from the Blues. Fingers crossed. That'd be great. Fingers I crossed. I was, I was excited there until I heard you say it. And I'm like, whoa, no, no. that's You're getting punked right now. But anyways, he's going to want to think it over and, and not jump to conclusions and make bad decisions. And I think, too, at the same time, he's going to want to give a little more time to the Blues to hopefully come back with something. Well, when we look at the speculation on what could happen with Alex Petrangelo, Scotty Upshaw former Blues forward, did tweet out earlier this morning. He said, expect Blues GM Doug Armstrong to do everything in his power to get Alex Petrangelo back in the blue note this afternoon. But if not, Jamie, expect a big play at the stud Tory Krug. 
Hmm. What do you make of that coming from Scotty Upshaw? Well, the updog, um, he's dialed in uh, for sure. Is he dialed in enough to know about that? I don't know. I guess time will tell. I don't see the Blues needing a, um, well, you know what? I mean, a left-handed shot would be good, but if you're going to give $6.5 or $7 million to Tory Krug, why did you not just get the Petrangelo deal? Done? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills over here. What, what? Like that's my thought on it is the Krug is looking for seven years times seven million. That's what he wants right now. The Bruins offered him six times six point five, and he said, "No, I'm worth more, and I want seven years." So if the Blues go back to Tory Krug and give him seven years times seven or seven point five. Why did we not just keep Petro? Because you're still going to have to make a move to open up that cap space, too, if you were going to go gonna handcuff crew. yourself. Yeah. You, at that point, instead of needing $10 million to bring back, I, I guess one thing that maybe they would be looking at there is you probably don't bring back Vince Dunn at that point. So you eliminate that $2 million. No, you're right. Left handed well. shot, power play type guy, offensive guy. But then again, too, court, so Tory really Krug's like 30, million. 31. You're running into the same damn problem. It's 28, going to be 29 next year. Okay, so a year. He's got a year on Petro, right? Yeah. It's like, come on. I, it just, it's it feels to me, I, I'm with you for what it's worth. Like, I'm not disagreeing with your point overall. It, just, just bring back the captain. Like, if you're going to go down this route and you're going to add another high-priced defenseman, why wouldn't you bring back the guy that you know exactly what he's going to look like in this system? You know it works. You know he's the captain. You know he was the first one to hoist the cup over his head here as a captain in, in St. Louis. It seems crazy to me, but I, I haven't understood why there's so much um, trepidation to do so since day one. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you would like to give Alex Ferrario a piece of your mind, you can do so there. Also, questions coming and answers in hot. coming Don't in next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. service text line you guys are great you guys are absolutely great from the 636 breaking news guys bk now knows how to change tire actually wait no this is false information that was actually his father-in-law keith <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. from the 636 guys it seems like we're worried about the wrong alex come on tinfoil yeah we should be 618 uh can you guys shoot ferrario in the ass with the gun please you, now hang on i would accept that the airsoft is sitting over there i would accept that guys because that was uh that that should be punishable well speaking of punishing from the 314 ferrario good thing i work at a hospital because you just gave me a damn heart attack yeah i also got a couple of tweets at my uh, twitter account too that uh, like i literally ished myself when i heard that thanks a lot ferrario what is your twitter account by uh, the way uh, i don't think people care right Right now, <laughs> guys, <laughs> at Ferrario 101 ESPN. Once again, that is at Ferrario 101 ESPN. If you would also like to give all of your praise to uh, Jamie Rivers, he is at Jamie Rivers 08. I am at BK Sports Talk on the tweet machine guys, as I, well. I, I got to be honest, I, I've been punked before with the Twitter accounts. Like, you know, the check mark, sometimes it looks like a J that gets you. I've never been punked by the date of a tweet before. Look, that was an official release. Yeah. I'm legitimately sweating because I am so upset with myself. I would accept a shot in the ass for that because that's punishable. Hang on here from the text line. Just in breaking news. Blue signed Brett Hull to a five year deal. Oh, wait, no, that was 1993. I'd, I'd feel better about myself if I actually said that instead of the Brett Hull one. Six, five, seven, eight, oh, is the air comfort service text line from the three, one, four guys. What the hell happened? I just got in the car. Okay. So Alex Ferrario, again, this is fake news. This did not happen. 
Alex Ferrario was on Twitter and he pointed at me and Jamie and said, I've got breaking news over here. So uh, we played the sounder. Don't and Ferrario announced again, disclaimer, this is not this did not happen. Uh, Ferrario announced that Petro signed a seven year deal. <laughs> However, he did not check the date of the tweet from the Blues. It was a real tweet. It was from the official Blues account. It was just sent out seven years ago when he signed his previous seven-year contract. You know what might be a good punishment for Alex? Honestly, I, we do have the airsoft gun over there, and 65780, you can say yay or nay on shooting that Alex today. That seems excessive it's, to me. I got to be I'm honest. Just, listen, I'm just, I'm representing the people <laughs> on this one. Another one will be funny. The and people it's, versus Ferrario. <laughs> and it's kind of in context is, I think what we do is we go buy a gallon of milk. Right. Oh, and no, no, on no, no. this date next year, we allow Ferrario to drink the milk. <laughs> oh, cool. You want me to die? Guess what? He'll start checking the date from now on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to make what are we alert. doing the time being for the next year. I'm we'll just, just leave it in my garage. It's fine. Oh, God. I'm just not. I won't do anything to it. That's disgusting. Uh, 65780 is the air comfort service tax side for questions and answers. Guys, JR just tweeted it is believed that there were discussions between the Blues and Petro last night. Remember, the deadline for the club to sign him to an eight-year extension ended last night at 11 o'clock, but obviously those talks did not materialize into a deal. Let's let's go ahead and go around the room really quickly. If you had to predict as of today with the information that we currently had, and again, this is reckless speculation. This is not based on reporting, but reckless, reckless speculation, Jamie Ferrario, where do you think Alex Petrangelo ultimately signs as of today? If he's not a St. Louis Blue? Where do you think he signs, including the St. Louis Blues? I think well, if the Blues are making a last-minute push, I think it's going to be in St. Louis. Yeah, I, I do think that there's still hope that he wears a blue note. Um, however, if I'm allowed a 1B answer on this one, I do think the Vegas... Sitter, yeah, you, well, you would crush me if I was doing what you're doing right now. <laughs> Absolutely crush me. But here's what I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to BKO the situation, okay? I don't want to say one thing and the other thing happens. As of right now, it is 11.57, Jamie Rivers. Based on where we are at this exact moment, a prediction from you on where he will sign is what? The only player it could that, be a 60% chance. The only player that, that has been as high profile as Alex Petrangelo and actually re-signed with their team after the free agency opened was Steven Stamkos. So if I'm betting the odds, I'm going to bet the odds. And imagine that. I'm going to say betting odds because I think Alex Petrangelo becomes a Vegas Golden Knight. That's where I'm at, too. I'm still I'm still sick and if the Blues make this final push I think I think St. Louis is still an option and I think that's where it's going to be. We are all and I certainly know Jamie even more so than me, are rooting for Alex to be oh right. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. And by the way, I just said, I believe in my heart of hearts, he's signing out in Vegas. You guys know what that means, right? It's going to be BKO'd it. You guys know what that means? He may be BKO'd it. He ain't signing out in Vegas. That's all I know. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line coming up on the other side. Kyle Glazer is one of the best baseball riders for prospects in the country. We've all talked so much about Randy Rosarena over the last week or so. How did the Cardinals miss so badly on this guy? And on the other side of things, silver lining, what do they have now in Matthew Libertor? We're going to ask Kyle Glazer when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Excited to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line because, Jamie, we have talked a whole lot this week about Randy Rosarena, who is taking the entire baseball community by storm over the last week or two in particular but certainly this season he's been amazing and the cardinals had him in their system decided to trade him over to tampa bay they did get something in return for him and matthew libertor and that's why i wanted to call kyle glazer he's a national baseball writer for baseball america he's joining us here on 101 espn kyle let's start with the randy rosarena side of things could people have seen this coming like should we have known that randy rosarena was going to be this good of a player I don't know how you could ever predict someone's going to hit 600 in a postseason. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you can never see anything quite like this coming. Um, but look, Randy Rosarena is a good player. The Cardinals knew that. The rest of the industry knew that. This was someone who was one of the premier players in Cuba, as I wrote about in our story on BaseballAmerica.com. The Cardinals gave him a seven-figure signing bonus. He was one of their top ten prospects entering the year before they traded him to the Rays. So, look, this is a good player. The Cardinals knew that. Everyone knew that. Um, he's just having the series of his life right now. And I know it's hard for Cardinals fans to watch a player they had go on a run like this. Um, but again, we're talking about less than 30 games this season from the regular season and the postseason combined so far. Um, this is a really good player. He's going to continue to be a really good player. But, um, you know, d- don't go crazy yet. The league over time will adjust. He's going to have to make counter adjustments. There's a lot of career left. All right, Kyle, as I as myself and everybody else in St. Louis continue to cry in our beers over the fact that Randy Rosarena is gone, I think we have to look at the flip side of it, too, and evaluate what did they get back? And Matthew Libertor, he comes with a lot of high praise. What can you tell our listeners about the guy that came back in that deal to maybe, you know, dry up some of the tears? Sure. So he's one of the top left-handed pitching prospects in all of baseball. Incredibly mature for his age. He talked to evaluators who scouted him the last couple of years in the race system. And they've just talked about how rare it is to see a high school pitcher have as many polished pitches as he has, have the feel for command, have the poise. This is a really, really well-rounded young pitcher. Now, again, he's a young pitcher. Pitchers are extremely volatile. They get hurt. There's always reasons to be concerned they won't hit their ceilings. But when you look at young left-handers, what do you want to see? He has all the ingredients. So I guess the the, the next question would be, Kyle, is – was this a reasonable trade to make for the Cardinals at the time? Like right now, we've all got hindsight 2020. We haven't seen Matthew Liberatore even play in the minor leagues this year. We have seen Randy Rosarena on the tear that he's been on. When you heard about the trade initially, initially compared to where we are today, did, did you look at this as a huge loss for the Cardinals when they traded Randy A and Jose Martinez down to Tampa for Matthew Liberatore? Not at all, actually. Most people within the industry, us, the writers of Baseball America, scouts we talked to, actually were kind of confused why the Rays would make this trade because at the time, you know, Jose Martinez is a DH-only type of bat who really can't play the field. And Rosarena is a very, very good young outfielder, but there have been some concerns about how aggressive he is. And we saw that even a little bit in his regular season stint. The overall numbers were great. There was also a, a strikeout rate near 30%. We have to see how that shakes itself out over time so at the time actually most people thought that the cardinals really really did well for themselves in the trade 
as usual, the Rays pro scouting department is one of the best in the game. They saw some things that I think a lot of other people didn't see. And now it is seen as, okay, the Rays did fine for themselves in this deal, no question about it. And now we just have to see how Matthew Libertor's career plays out. It's, it's hard. It's, that's not hard. It's impossible to assess the winner and the loser of this deal, really, for the next five, six, seven years. We have to see how these young players' careers play out. So you told us Libertor is a, a really good left-handed prospect, one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in baseball right now. Do you have a comparison for our audience? Like Most of them have never seen Libertor pitch before. So in terms of his style, what he looks like on the mound, his pitches that he has, the season, that he could reach do you have a player comparison for him um i'm, I'm gonna stay away from that because I, I hate comping teenage pitching prospects because i think it creates artificial feelings about what they can be what i'll say is if everything clicks you know there's a chance he's a number two number three left-handed starter with you know four different pitches he can get you out and we've seen a lot of really 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 good championship caliber teams have that you know that lefty at the front of their rotation i'm not comping him to these guys but you know whether it's a cole hamels whether it's a john lester i'm just saying that's the role in theory people think he could play that that number two potentially left-hander on a championship caliber team and you know in some years those guys were number ones um that's a lot to put on a left-handed pitching prospect but but just that type of player that that front of the rotation left-hander which is obviously incredibly valuable to have Again, we're talking with Kyle Glazer, national writer for Baseball America. You can catch him on Twitter, at Kyle Glazer. Kyle, another question I've got here about a prospect in the Cardinals system is Nolan Gorman. Uh, obviously, the, the big topic around here lately has been, you know, a big bat in the lineup, creating some offense, maybe a good hitter. Nolan Gorman seems to check some of those boxes. We know he's a, a year or a couple years away from the big leagues, but how does a guy like that project for the Cardinals? Uh, he projects to be a middle-of-the-order power-hitting third baseman. There's a lot to like there. Um, it's always going to be power over hit. No one should expect any batting titles here, but you know, a lot of people think, you know, 250, 260 with, with 30 home runs a year is something he can attain and, and maybe even more. He's a very strong kid. There's a lot of power in there. And, you know, we see young hitters just as they adjust their approaches and mature, you know, sometimes they exceed those expectations. I mean, if he's, you know, what people think he is, 250, 260 with 30 home runs, that's a really good player. If he's able to exceed that and creep into that 270, 280 range with 35 or more home runs, that, that's a franchise player. So there's a lot to like here. He's still very young. There's also a chance that average goes down and it's more 230. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of development left. There's a lot of ways this can go. But again, when you look for the ingredients, you really, really like what you see. Kyle, do you have an ETA on either Gorman or Libertor? Like, when should we expect them to be up in the big leagues if, if we kind of assume typical progression for them? Yeah, so it, it's tough because we're seeing teams move guys so much faster now than we used to. Um, considering both of these guys have yet to play above a ball, I think realistically you're probably looking more 2022. But, you know, depending on injuries and, and what this offseason look like, who teams are able to keep or not keep financially and all sorts of other factors. I mean, there's a chance, say, Gorman starts at AA next year and forces his way up to the majors. Um, but I'd say just in, in general, 
you know, 2022 is probably more likely than 2021 as far as debuts for these guys. Last question that I've got for you, Kyle. We're talking with Kyle Glazer, national writer for Baseball America here on 101 ESPN. Randy Arozarena, what your projection is on him as a player now compared to what it was whenever the Cardinals traded him? Have you have you changed what you're expecting from him in the big leagues moving forward? Yeah, I think so, because one of the biggest things with him was just how is he going to kind of control the aggressiveness. He's always just been super aggressive at the plate, on the base pass, and there were some questions about, okay, what's that going to be like in the majors? Is that going to be exploited? I think we've seen he has, you know, the back control and, and just some of the skills to be one of those players who is super aggressive but makes enough contact that he's still able to be an impactful player. Um, look, this is this is probably an everyday outfielder who hits, you know, I would normally say one or two in a lineup. He's added strength and he's now hitting three. He, he's going to be a very good player. Again, this is a good prospect with a long track record of hitting. I, I think maybe there's just more confidence now that he'll achieve that ceiling. And now we just have to see if Matthew Libertor can achieve his as well for the Cardinals. He is Kyle Glazer. Find his work over at Baseball America. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer. Kyle, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. We always appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. You got it. That's Kyle Glazer joining us here on 101 ESPN. So here's the thing, Jamie. Um, I think what you just heard from him should give you more confidence that the Cardinals didn't just get totally mollywhopped in this trade, right? The, The original projection from people in the industry, Baseball America types, the actual guys that are evaluating these sorts of things inside of baseball, inside of Major League Baseball, They all looked at this trade, or a lot of them looked at this trade and said, okay, Cardinals did pretty well here. They got a really good pitching prospect. Here's the problem. It's the last thing that I just heard from Kyle Glazer there. Quote, Randy Rosarena is going to be a very good player. He could be a three-hole type of hitter in an everyday player in the outfield. You don't trade that guy, if you're the Cardinals, for a pitching prospect. Because you have all of the pitching. How many times have we come on here over the last what, year, two years, three years, and said the Cardinals are probably going to trade for the pitching depth to be able to get a really quality hitter. And now the Cardinals traded one of the hitters that they had in their system for another pitcher. And that's where I have my issues with the trade is not so much what they got in return because it sounds like they got a really quality player in Matthew Libertor. I think he's going to be a good, good pitcher for them. And he might even be a good pitcher for them next year. We'll get into that a little bit later on today. But... It's what the position is that they got in return. They added to their strength by dealing from their weakest part of their roster. And that's what frustrates me about the deal. Okay, so these are always very difficult to evaluate. And I know we've been on the Randy A train lately because, well, who couldn't be with the way he's playing? And the fact that the Cardinals did have him on their roster and then traded him, it does leave a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouth. But... You don't have a comparable yet, right? Because we haven't seen Matthew Libertor pitch. We haven't seen what he can be. And so that's what always is, is difficult, and it blurs the trade until that player plays in the majors. And then you can see, oh, now I get it. But listen, hang on. To yeah. your point about the pitching, how far is Libertor from being a starter? Potentially next year. Okay, it, potentially it next year. unlikely, but he's, he's probably a year away. So a year away, right? So if we do the math in our heads and he's going to be like the next Jack Flaherty type guy, because it sounds like he's going to be one heck of a pitcher based on where he's at currently. Two years from now, a season and the next season after, where are the, where are the Cardinals in pitching then? 
in terms Wait, of like contracts and yeah, stuff? Like Wayno's gone. Like how many? Because we talk about where they are right now on their pitching depth. But a year, another season, or even two down the road, where are they? And then at that point, is it a good decision? At that point, have the Cardinals used some pitchers to acquire maybe some bats? Like maybe the whole point of getting him is to have him replace guys that are leaving or guys that they're willing to trade. Yeah, I mean, you you would still at that point have two years left on Miles Michaelis's deal. You'd have two years left on Jack Flaherty's. You'd have three years left on Dakota Hudson and three years left on Austin Gomber, not to mention uh, guys like R- Reyes, who still have a couple of years, Woodford, who is still under team control, Oviedo, who's still under team control. So you've got like six years left on those guys. I mean, they they just have so much depth at the they position. They have depth, but do they have a superstar there? Jack Flaherty is probably the only one you'd earmark. That's pretty say, good. Yeah, I, very I, few teams have more than one superstar pitcher. You know, I'm and just so, trying to find the silver lining in this without completely just smashing it to to pieces. That yeah, you know, maybe there's a bigger plan. Maybe I, I'm hoping. I I think they might have just. They might not have viewed Randy Arosa. Maybe their evaluation of Randy Arosarena was closer to what we just heard from Kyle Glazer where he was at the time, where it's like, okay, the guy's a little aggressive. We've seen guys like this not exactly work in the big leagues. Harrison Bader, for instance, had that a very similar type of an evaluation coming up throughout the minors of he's going to strike out too much, going to be a little aggressive at the plate, and you're not going to love it every once. But he's, he's got some power. And maybe he's able to show that in the big leagues. Maybe they viewed him as that kind of a player. They didn't want to overextend him in the bigs. And then his value goes down and they decided, you know what? We've got a shot to get this guy, Matthew Libertor, who we think is going to be a star as a pitcher in the big leagues. Maybe that's the way they viewed it. But I would have liked to see them give Randy Rosarena the type of leash that they have given to Lane Thomas to Tyler O'Neill, to Harrison Bader. <laughs> For sure. They said so many times, we've got to find out what these guys can do. We've got to be able to get these guys. We've got to make room on the tarmac to see if these guys can fly for us. And they didn't. They, they, they haven't worked out more often than not. And meanwhile, there's a guy down in Tampa right now that is hitting the cover off of the ball who's been outstanding in the playoffs, hitting in the middle of the order for a legitimate contender. And that's where it gets really difficult for me to be able to look at this and say, yeah, well, at least they got a good pitcher. They have a lot of good pitchers. And if there's anything that I know about this team, it's that they can develop more. They are the best team in baseball at developing starting pitching. So I I didn't need them to trade for another guy to be able to know, okay, they're going to be covered there in the future. They've always been covered in the starting pitching department for as long as I can remember. They find guys like KK. Where it's like, who did, who is this guy? Where did he come from? That was a good find. Lance Lynn is a guy that is just, you, you plop him into the rotation for six to seven years. He's awesome for you. Dakota Hudson, he, he ends up being awesome. Like, they're going to have more of those guys. And so it's really difficult for me to look at this and how this is going to be a success if Randy Rosarena even becomes a good player. It doesn't have to be this. If he's a good outfielder and is an everyday player that can hit the middle of an order for a contender, it's going to be really hard for them to be able to win this trade moving forward. Well, Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. What the heck happened last night to Tom Brady? How do you not remember what down it is? I'm not saying you got to be perfect on all of your passes. How do you not remember what down it is? Plus, I have something in common with one of the best announcers in the business, Kevin Harlan. I'll tell you what that is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
One more shot, fourth down. Pass up the field. It is incomplete. Chicago will take over on downs, and the Bears will beat the Bucks on this Thursday night, 20-19 with 33 seconds left. And Tom Brady was saying, hey, Mr. Ref, is, is, was that third down? It was fourth down and five, and the pass is incomplete. And Tom Brady thinking he has one more down, but this game is over. That audio courtesy of the Bucks Radio Network, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose last night in Chicago. The Chicago Bears win 20-19, an impressive victory by the Chicago Bears. A less-than-stellar performance at the end of the game, though, from Tom Brady. Jamie, I'm not saying he's got to be perfect in these games. He certainly does not have to be. I'm not expecting that from a guy at his age who is qualifying for AARP status at this point in his life. However... You got to know what down it is, right? Like, you've got to know first, second, third, and fourth. You just have to be be able to count to four. I, I think he's capable of doing that. What happened last night? Well, one thing I know is he can count to six as far as championships go. Um, now, that being said, uh, look, Tom's getting a little older. I forget things. The other day, I walked out of the house with no pants on. I mean, it happens, right? What? Tell me more about this situation. Yeah, you know, you wear shorts around and you just go get the mail sometimes. And sometimes I go home and I get into the, you know, the jogging shorts. And I didn't have the jogging shorts on. I had my underwear on, but, you know, hey. That's how you get the police called on you. No, no, they were great. They came by and made sure I was okay. Took my temperature. It's all good. Okay. So you forget things. Tom Brady forgets things and everything's going to be fine. That's what you're saying here. <laughs> Look, I uh, last night I texted you guys, right? And I was like. Brady, woof. That was it. That's all I had. And I, I thought that last play, when he made that play selection, I'm like, what is he doing? This is an opportunity where you advance it like a, a, a simple, you have your go-to play, not firing it between two defenders trying to, you know, thread the needle, thread the eye of a needle here. He obviously didn't know what down it was. And that's a big mistake. And I think Tom himself will, he'll wear it. I think that he's a stand-up guy like that, but not a good look. And losing to the Bears, not a good thing. So, you know, uh, it's a work in progress, boys. Uh, so you think he'll he'll admit he didn't know that that was a fourth down? Oh, no, you have audio, don't you? You think he would do that, right? He, he, he's a stand-up guy. He's never been known to cheat, never been known to cross the line. I think there was a deflated ball once. Oh, always been known to be oh, a stand-up guy. You'll be quiet today, okay? Hey, okay, right. seven-year deal. You'll right. be quiet today, You're right. Okay? I'm done. So you you would you would suspect that post-game when they oh. ask him about this, when he is clearly on video asking the referee, wasn't that third down, you would think he would own up to it and say, hey, I made a mistake there. I've been in this league for 20 years. It's the first time I've ever done it. But, yeah, I, I messed up there. That's on me. Nobody Wait, else. That's look, on I don't me. Know if I he take was saying, full responsibility. I don't know if he was saying it was fourth down. He may have asked the ref, weren't you there for my fourth championship? Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> let's go to the tape. Brady, one more shot. Oh, that's okay. not the one that we're looking for. But oh, good, Tom we don't Brady, have it. Good. No, no, that's good. We Tom don't have Brady it. was asked afterwards, uh, what happened there at the end of the game? Yeah, I knew we needed a chunk. And I was thinking about more yardage. And then, uh. You know, it was just it was bad execution. And we had a great opportunity there, so just didn't uh, didn't execute when we needed to. Yeah, he didn't say he didn't know. He was asked, "Did you mistake the fourth down for a third down on that play?" And that was his response. Have you not been watching the debates lately? Is there any question that actually gets answered these days? <laughs> Unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. By the way, 65780 is the air comfort service sex line from the 314. Also, don't you guys need to apologize for telling everybody all week to take the bucks on the money line with the odds boost from FanDuel. First of all, no, I don't because it was a risk-free bet, so you got your money back if you place that down as a first-time better. FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, promo code Brandon. Second of all, I think that's a very interesting question, Jamie. At this point, do we have to reconsider what the Buccaneers are as a team? Because they are three and two on the season. They lost to the Saints. They lost to the Bears, both road games. Their three victories this year have come against the Panthers, who aren't great, the Broncos, who are terrible, and the Chargers, who were playing a backup quarterback, who is now their starting quarterback, and they won that game by just seven points. Do we need to reassess what the Buccaneers are at this point? It could be something else later on, but right now, is this a real championship contender in your mind? No, I don't think it is. I mean, let's be honest here. Now, they're missing a couple of guys, right, from their, their line, a couple of weapons for Mr. Fourth Down yeah, himself. O.J. Howard's out for the year, tours Achilles, and last night they were without Chris Godwin. So they're missing a few things, but, yeah, I don't think there's a championship team right now. You know, the the Saints game... Yeah, should they have won that? You know what? You take that loss. They should be four and one right now with the schedule that they've had, the games that they've won. They should have won those games, and quite honestly, they should have won last night. What I was most surprised at about all of it last night was not Brady, was not the offense, was not the execution or lack thereof. It was the damn penalties. Yeah, they're sloppy. Did you see that? Like over a hundred and some yards of penalties. Finish. When the- with 11 penalties for 110 yards in the yeah, game. And they were marching in that one sequence, and then they pushed themselves. It was like third and 35 at one point. It was awful. And this is not a team that's buttoned up the way that they typically would be under the Patriots. Like those penalties, that doesn't happen to the Patriots. That fourth down play, that doesn't happen to the Patriots. So say what you will about Bill Belichick. That's some of the stuff that, as the quarterback, you just. Tom Brady should have had a handle on the fourth down situation, right? But. Those are the things that typically, especially the penalties, the coach handles that stuff. The down and distance, the time situations, that's the coach handling those sorts of things. And Belichick is one of the best ever at all of those things. The the logistics, Belichick is incredible at all of that. And Brady can't handle that. That's on Bruce Arians. And Arians has his strengths, but that does not appear to be one of them. Those penalties are on the coaching staff. Okay, because if you're taking that many penalties with blatant disregard, especially on one set of downs where you took, what, five penalties that took you out of field goal range and ended up actually giving the other team better field position, you did that to yourself. That's on the coaching staff. He, if, I, if I see the same thing next week, that's a huge problem. The nice thing, Jamie, is that they have the Packers next week, so I'm sure they'll be able to just bounce right back against the Green Bay Packers who have – Oh, I'm, I'm getting this from, from Mike Wright, our boss. Oh, the Packers have been really good this year. Where are they so, playing the game? Uh, that game will be played in Tampa Bay. Oh, all in on Tampa. <laughs> okay. So I was listening to the game last night right here on 101 ESPN. We have the calls each and every Thursday night, more often than not. And uh, I was listening to Kevin Harlan, who was on the call. And Jamie, I know you and Ferrario have been giving me a little crap for something that I did on this, on this radio show recently, where mm. I did that. I would like it to be known I am not the only one that makes that particular <laughs> no. sound. Yeah. Let's go to the tape. I have two instances from last <laughs> night's game where Kevin Harlan and I have this in common. He has enough yards for the first, but let's see what the flag is all about. There may be a pick play by Personal Mike foul. Evans. Face mask. Defense number 23. 15-yard mm. penalty. Wow. First down. 
On top of that, boy, now that they began this at their own 10, and now the breathing space takes them out to near midfield. So that's the first one. It was not the only one from the night. <laughs> oh, well, here comes the official yes. review. After review, the receiver caught the ball, was hit and fumbled. Was recovered by Chicago at the 27-yard mm. line. It'll be first and 10 for the Bears at that spot. That one was even more extended. Okay. <laughs> one, that's fantastic, by the way. Two, though, hang on, Ferrario, let's get the original mm, up for a second, okay? So this is, the first one is going to be me. The first one is BK, and now if we if we just listen to Kevin Harlan, it had a little more of a mmm. Mm. 15-yard penalty. Mm. 15-yard penalty. Say thank you. Now if mm. we... F- <laughs> Okay, I do see a little bit of a difference there. Can we listen to the the second one from Kevin Harlan, though? Because that one was more extended. This one was more of a... mm, He did have a remix on that. The 27-yard line. It'll be first... That one was a little more drawn out, right? The 27-yard line. It's deeper, though, right? Okay, so what you're saying is he's more of a professional than I am. Mm. 15-yard... Possibly. Okay. However... Mm. is still the leader. <laughs> Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. I just like that I have at least one thing in common with Kevin Harlan. We both worked in Kansas City at one point in time. He was the voice of the Chiefs in the early 90s. I worked at a radio station in town. Also, now I know we make similar sounds on the radio every once in a while. The 27-yard line. It'll be f- With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Is Vegas the new favorite for Alex Petrangelo? Talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. Mm. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. One of my clients, uh, St. Louis native Paul Stastny, got traded to Winnipeg. Um, So obviously Vegas is clearing cap space. And I don't think they're making that move, you know, to sign Jamie Rivers. I think they're making that move, you know, probably to move to get a top free agent, you know, a defenseman from what I hear. So I don't don't know exactly if it's Peter Angelo or what, but, you know, they're obviously clearing, clearing cap space. That was Jamie's former agent, Matt Keeter, earlier today. Matt Cater. Cater, earlier today. And he's still my agent. I mean, take two. That was Jamie's current and former agent, Matt Cater, earlier today, right here on 101 I mean, the phone's ESPN. always on. You never know. <laughs> Talking about his current client, current active client, or client, rather. My goodness, BK. Uh, Ferrari was rubbing was off on you. Traded earlier today to Winnipeg. Of course, I'm talking about Paul Stastny, and that means that the Vegas Golden Knights suddenly have a little bit more cap space to be able to bring in a guy like Alex Petrangelo, Jamie. If we were talking today about the favorite to sign Petro, do you think that Vegas has officially climbed to that spot? Yeah, look, when there's enough noise about something, usually there's truth to it, right? And it's not just a random thing where people are like, oh yeah, well, look at Vegas. Well, there's been a lot of people that have been talking about it, and the Golden Knights current activity today making that trade to free up 6.5 million they also have mark andre Fleury that i believe is like five point some million that can come off the books that he is going to be traded because they're not going to wrap up 11 or 12 or 13 million dollars in goalies out in vegas so yeah it looks like they're clearing space to make a big move when you look at their roster they need a number one defenseman they absolutely need a number one defenseman they had a great decor but they've never, ever had an Alex Petrangelo. They've never had that number one guy. 
uh, to to help lead that team. Now, up front, they have a lot of really great players. They don't have superstars, but they have a really solid, balanced forward group. They have a great, gritty line, too. Ryan Reeves, part of it, and Carrier. And, and look, at those guys doing a great job. What they're missing is Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, and if you look at their their roster on cap friendly, I mean, this year, they're pretty much set with the six defensemen, but Petrangelo would obviously be the best one. But next year, they lose Alec Martinez, who's an unrestricted free agent, and then they got another restricted free agent who's available. And right now, Vegas knows that Theodore is kind of the cornerstone on the left side for them. And Nate Schmidt, who they got in that expansion draft, is an aging player who's who's, he's locked up for the next five years. But Petra would be that number one guy to play with Shea Theodore. And you're putting depth on the roster, much like the Blues had when Petro, Bowmeister, and Pareko won the cup. And one thing, too, we had it on the text line earlier. We didn't get to it in that segment. Uh, by the way, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. Somebody said, hey, Petro can't go to Vegas because they have a guy that wears number 27 there already. Mm-hmm. Um, which that player is Shea Theodore, yeah. who is by far their best left-handed defenseman on the team. I do believe that if Petro wanted number t- 27 pretty much anywhere he goes, you probably get it. Oh yeah, and that's not going to be the thing that holds something like this up. Right? Like, <laughs> no, if he, if he, <laughs> not a number. If he wants to go to Vegas, and that's the place where they're going to give him the contracts that he's looking for, and they provide the roster, and he likes the location. Like, if the number is the thing that you can't get, uh, maybe next year he's wearing a different. There's got to be somebody in the history of the NHL who said no to a trade because he didn't have his number available. Well, I'm sure way back in the yeah. day, maybe, but since I've been around, uh, listen. The, the number usually goes to the veteran with years under his belt. And even if you're a superstar player, which often that time the veteran who's smart enough will realize that, okay, let's say it was a Steven Stamkos. Mm-hmm. You look at it and you go, like if John Tavares had it signed in Tampa Bay, he may have said, I'll wear a different number out of respect for your best player. Uh, but that would not be the case here. Right. So one thing that I am struggling to understand, Jamie, is – why a team like Vegas has been able and has been willing to clear the cap space, clear the decks to be able to bring in Alex Petrangelo, whether it's him or another defenseman, right? They know what their clear need is there, but Petro's the number one guy at the position. So you would assume that he's the top target on the board. Why they're willing to do this while the blues, it appears have at least been hesitant to do so. Maybe they will ultimately decide to, and we've all got our fingers crossed that 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 is the decision that they make. But it seems like they've been hesitant to clear all of the decks to be able to bring back their captain when they know him better than anybody else does. What am I missing here? Is is there a, a magic bullet that this this is why the blues aren't willing to go there? And other teams are. Look, it's tough, right? The Blues, as much as people talk about wanting to win the Cup over and over and over again, once you win it, it allots you a certain amount of time, really, as a franchise. And Vegas is in win-now mode. Uh, To your point, Ferrario, you know, Martinez is up. A couple of guys, other guys are coming up. Like, their window, they're seeing it shrink somewhat over the next couple of years where if you add Petrangelo, now they open that window up again a little bit and maybe they get, you know, all in for it next year. I really don't have a great answer as to why the Blues are a team that wouldn't just say, you know what, we're just like these other teams. We need to just make it work. The only thing I can think of is that the Blues do have tremendous depth at the blue line position. Now, they don't have a bunch of Alex Petrangelos. Nobody does. But they do have a lot of really good players back there. And with Craig Berube's defensive-minded system, I think sometimes you think to yourself, you know what? 
I think we can make do. We can we can get through this without having to handcuff ourselves financially. Uh, but I right now, looking at it as a seven-year deal, you don't even have to commit to eight years now. Guys, I just don't see the downside. Well, we were nitpicked before, like, oh, year seven and eight on this deal are going to be a nightmare. Well, now eight doesn't exist. So what, year seven? And if you're saying that you don't want to sign Alex Petrangelo because year seven might be bad on his deal? Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, and I think when you look at the Blues, I mean, look, the the Vegas Golden Knights were able to shed salary of Paul Stastny today because Stastny's a top six forward. Like he goes to Winnipeg, he's their number two centerman. When you're talking about shedding salary on the Blues side, the name that everyone keeps bringing up is Tyler Bozak. Able to get that done makes it very intriguing why the Blues can't. So look, the number one thing that comes up of the text line and at the local watering hole or at the water cooler at the office is, well, if you pay Petro, you can't pay Pareko in a couple of years. First of all, we don't know what the financial landscape will be in a couple of years. And in a couple of years, you have the expansion draft as well, too. So if you really want to shed some salary with a player who makes too much and you want to make some cap space for a guy like Colton Pareko, it can be done. We also just saw this just happened. The Vegas Golden Knights didn't have cap space. They they shouldn't have been able to even be in on the conversation for Alex Petrangelo. They found it. You find <laughs> a way to make it work if you really want to get something done. Right. Yeah, I agree. So the, the thought of sacrificing Pareko for Petrangelo or vice versa, it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing that I wanted to react to that you said, Jamie, because you, you mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights are in a win-now mode, right? And Ferrario, if you could, in, in our daily show audio folder today, there's there's a Doug Armstrong quote that I want to share because Doug Armstrong earlier in the offseason basically said the Blues should also be in that win-now win mode. Here's what Doug Armstrong said. I believe this was during the uh, the off period between when the season had like come to an end unofficially and when they restarted the postseason. Here's Doug Armstrong. I believe it is. I think that uh, when we, we acquired Bozak and, and Perron and O'Reilly in the summer, uh, a couple of summers ago, we felt we were entering a five-year window because we had – we had Pranko, uh, you know, we, we had Schwartz, uh, you know, we're different guys that were going to be here for a long, for a long number of years this year. We have two players. We really have one unrestricted free agents uh, is Alex. And we, we'd like to get that done. Uh, but we, we think that uh, I, I like our team. I, I do. I, I think, I'm hoping that the, the reality is we're much closer to the 70 games than we were the last eight. So he's basically talking about how they were in a five-year window. And this is this was your three of that five year window. They're supposed to be in win now mode, too. There's two years left on that window. And so if you're the blues and this is a guy that helps keep that window open. And I don't know if it shuts all of the way with Petro leaving, but it certainly shuts a little bit. Uh, We can we can have the discussion on how much, but it shuts a little with Petro potentially walking out that door. This is a guy that you were supposed to bring back to keep that window open because they are also just like the Vegas Golden Knights. They're supposed to be in that win now mode as well. So that that's what's confusing to me as I hear that quote. And in the quote, you also hear, hey, you know, we we would like to bring back Alex Petrangelo. He's really our only unrestricted free agent. And now here we are on October 9th, the first day officially of free agency. And it doesn't necessarily feel to me like that's going to be the case. It's tough. OK, look, at it, if you re-sign Alex Petrangelo, for the next two years. So if we're going to isolate that, right, because we're talking about this five-year window, to the text line's point of, well, you're sacrificing Pareko. Well, Pareko's got another two years on his deal. So that would be part of the five-year plan if we're sticking to Doug Armstrong's timeline. 
Yeah, you you kind of have to re-sign Alex Petrangelo if you're in that win-now mode and you really think you have an opportunity to get another cup in this five-year plan that you've put ahead of yourself. Um, now, to your point, does it mean the Blues can't do it? No, certainly anybody can, you know, pull off playoff victories and come together as a team. Players can emerge. But looking at it on paper, ahead of schedule, kind of being a predictor of events, if you have Alex Petrangelo, the mountain isn't as steep. And if you don't have them, that's a real big uphill climb. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're going to dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Have you guys ever heard of cow tipping? Yes. Yes. So I grew up in Kansas City, which is obviously right near Kansas, which is where people would typically... Wait, Kansas City's not in Kansas? There is. It's it's a sore subject. We'll get to that another day. Is it like Texarkana? Kinda. Um, So... (laughs) Don't know how that applies. Cow tipping is something that a lot of people assume that people from Kansas would do, right? Have you ever heard of cow hugging, though? Because this is completely different than cow tipping. (laughs) Apparently, cow hugging has become a new trend. um, And in Dutch, it is said cow canoofling. Canoodling? Nope, different. This is a trend in the Netherlands, guys. It's trained? A trend in the Netherlands. Okay. You snuggle up next to a cow. You go to a farm. You snuggle up next to a cow for two to three hours. And it is said to alleviate some of your anxiety. It makes you feel better as a whole. How do you feel about Jamie giving a shot to the cow cuddling, cow hugging? Um, Well, I do think the cow hugging is much better than the cow tipping. Cow tipping can potentially injure the animal. It's frowned upon. I thought it could, like, kill cows. Yes, it it could break their rib cage, and it's not pretty. So we try to avoid that at all costs. Please, you should. Now, cow hugging, usually cows kind of sleep standing up. That's why the cow tipping comes in. So you're hugging a cow standing up so for a couple apparently of hours? What you do, or do you sweep the leg and get him to the ground and then snuggle Sweep the leg, him? Johnny! So apparently there are farms where this takes place, where the, the cows, from what I can understand, again, I'm no expert on the situation, but I'm reading this story from the BBC, and they apparently lay down. So you, you pet them, and then they eventually get relaxed or whatever, and they lay down. And so you lay next to them, and... You're cuddling them, apparently. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my feelings exactly, BK. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going out of my way to go cow cuddling. Um, apparently, farms in the United States are now offering cow hugging session- sessions. So this is kind of like the the goat yoga, right? Like, yes, it's same just, thing. Okay. Well, this is crap. Let's just be honest. This is crap. What are they washing the cows every 10 minutes? Because they stink. You ever been on a farm? The text line, it may be good for your stress, but what about the cows? Apparently, there are studies that suggest that it is actually also good for the cows. This is true. I promise you, I'm reading I a 2007 this study. This is great. This and is the great. Applied Animal Behavior <laughs> Science states that cows show cues of deep relaxation, stretching out and allowing their ears to fall back when massaged in particular areas of their neck and upper back. I was waiting for one of these texts to come in, guys. Uh, from the 618, I cow cuddle every night when I crawl into bed with my wife for Oh, eight my hours. gosh. I hope she doesn't see that oh text message, sir. Oh, gosh. That's, That's horrible. Awful. That's that horrible. Is. 
that it's um i mean you're trying to 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 hone in on the sense of humor here on ribs and bk we understand but i'm sure your wife is lovely yeah this cow cuddling first of all you ever tried to ride a cow what? No. Okay. I, no. I've been on a camel before, but yeah. never once a a cow. That's what she said. If you, <laughs> oh gosh, if you, <laughs> you can ride a cow, and let let me tell you what, it's like riding a bull at times. Mm. They don't like to have people on their back, and as soon as you jump on that cow, it's go time. So, I'm are just they like you. horses where they don't like people coming up behind them too? Uh, yeah, they will hoof you. They'll go, You gotta come from the side. The horse kick if you. If you come from behind, they feel you coming, and and it's lights out. That's good night, Jim said. Kite, at that point. So, but yeah, cow, if you ride a cow, it can be kind of fun. That's what she said. <laughs> a bull is a cow, right? It's, it's a, a male, male cow. cow. Okay, I was it's about to difference. say, I was like, wait a second. BK, if you, I, was, I was wondering here, if you were like, going to do it. If, it you're going to, uh, if you go to milk a bull, it's going to be extremely different. That's true. What do you have for us today in the junk drawer, Jamie? <laughs> Glad we got to start it off on the right foot. All right, so uh, usually it's, it's appreciated for students and people to get the answers to the test before you get them, right? Because at that point, you're like, I got this is aced. So if you get the answer to the test, usually it means you're going to be successful. Well, yeah, you would hope so. Okay, you would hope so. So uh, Zach Grinke, this is an interesting character, as we know, pitcher for the Houston Astros. And Zach has a tendency of every now and then basically giving the answers to the test to the batter. And what I mean is he'll show him, hey, I'm giving you the old number two or the number one. And he'll like, yes, the number two, two fingers up in the air. The old OBJ. OBJ is a whole other story. But he'll show the batter basically what he's throwing. How do you think that works out, guys? Because yesterday how it worked out was he got jacked for a home run. Zach Grinke looked down, stared down the batter, gave him the old, hey, two fingers, number two coming at you, buddy. Take that. Boom. Whiplash watching that thing leave the park. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on here. Now, there's been some stories that have been written that apparently he's not actually telling the batter what he's going to be throwing. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But it, it's happened consistently throughout the year where he he's basically telling the catcher hey no we're gonna go with uh like you said number three number three this oh, time all right buddy number two you didn't no, go number we're two switching that up crappy answer number three this time around and it's like Greggy, you know that the the batter can also see what you're doing right i i don't understand what's going on here i, I don't have a bright enough baseball mind to get it but. so he's also at times simply just called the pitch out yeah the he says fastball he'd be like fastball breaker slider cutter and he yells it to the catcher and you know what his reason is behind it I'm quote okay. This I'm going to quote this. It's not paraphrasing. Quote. Oh my god. I'm trying to find a way to speed the game up. End oh, quote. God bless, god bless that Grinky. Yep. New god favorite player. Him. I'm done with every pitcher becoming the human rain. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. The human rain delay. I it's love ridiculous. It. These some of these guys will like walk around the mound. Did you see Clevenger the other day? He did like five or six stutter steps before he even lifted his leg to throw now the we're ball. We're gonna throw over to first yeah. seven different times. We're gonna grab some new seeds to put into our mouth. Now we're gonna spit those Tap out. Tap the bag. We need the uh, the rosin bag. Yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah. It's absurd, man. Let's just let's go. Come on. Let's get this thing going so, a little quicker. There it is. The new game. In Major League Baseball is the pitcher tells the hitter what he's going to throw, and that's up to you to hit it now. I like it. I'm here for an hour and a half games. You know who should do? Bob Gibson would be proud. I bet you the Cardinals suddenly look like an offensive team. We don't have to worry about it. 
Let's be a little careful here. Mm. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. How likely is it that Matthew Libertor is going to live up to these expectations because they are going to be high after what we've seen from Randy Rosarena? We'll talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. If Randy Rosarena continues to be a middle-of-the-order bat for the Rays, Libertor has got to be a top of the rotation pitcher for the Cardinals, period, end of story. Yeah. Whether it's, it doesn't have to be necessarily an ace, but if it's Jack Flaherty and Libertor for the next, I don't know, X amount of years and they, they go one, two, that, okay. You better get Trade. here quick before Jack gets the free agency. There, there you go. But that, that is essentially, if you gave up a middle of the order bat, you bet you better have gotten a top of the rotation arm. That was Anthony Stalter yesterday on the fast lane talking about what, Matthew Libertor needs to be in order for this Randy A trade to be a success. And earlier today, if you missed it, we were able to talk to Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, who writes about the prospects across baseball. And he told us, hey, Matthew Libertor, really good prospects, really good. One of the better left-handed pitching prospects in all of baseball, so much so that when the trade was made, Guys at Baseball America thought that the Cardinals actually won this trade, not the Tampa Bay Rays. They looked at Jose Martinez as a DH. They looked at Randy Rosarena, somebody that was going to maybe be a little bit too aggressive at the plate, too aggressive on the base paths. They weren't sure what he was going to be in the majors. Meanwhile, Matthew Libertor, top 50 prospect in all of baseball, really great left-handed pitching prospect. This guy's the real deal. Only 19 years old, 20 years old now, was 19 last year down in the minors. So here's the question to you guys. What does he need to be now that we've seen Randy A play for the race? And I don't know if he's going to be this. He's not going to be, but he's going to be good. I'm pretty confident in that. What does Matthew Libertor need to be for us here in St. Louis to eventually look back on the trade and say, you know what? We were wrong whenever we initially reacted to that with the um, in the moment of what Randy A was doing in the playoffs. This actually worked out OK for the for the for the Cardinals. Yeah, look, I'd love to say, well, he needs to be Jack Flaherty, but I think that's, you know, kind of unfair to an individual. I think if he ends up like a Dakota Hudson, I think it's probably a pretty good deal. You know, I mean, if we're if we're going to evaluate it, because look, Randy Rosarena, I do believe the market will correct itself in this one. I think he'll be a good player. Is he going to be batting seven, eight hundred throughout his career, or even four or five hundred? Like this is craziness, right? It will equal out eventually. I think he'll be a good player. Um, so that's why I think that, you know, Matthew Libertor has to be like a Dakota Hudson being a really good pitcher, but maybe not an ace. I think if you're going to look for a comp for Libertor, he's got to be what Gallegos has been for you. Somebody that you can rely upon in big situations. Well, I he think if he's a reliever, you think that's good no, enough? No, no, no. I'm saying the way you view. No, God, no. <laughs> your, your eyes just went Adam Gase oh. on me there. <laughs> Whoa. That, that's I, serious. I was like, no, if, no. He, if he ends up being a reliever, just to kind of put this out there, if he is a reliever, oh, even if loss. he's as good as Gallegos is. Like, no. That is an absolute failure no, from this trade. I think he has to be as effective for the Cardinals as Gallegos has been effective for the Cardinals because you don't look at the Luke, people look at the Luke Voigt trade and you still are like, boy, you should have kept this guy around. But it offsets the the pain of Luke Voigt because Gallegos is effective for you. He's an effective closer moving forward. Libertor has to be that way in your rotation moving forward. He's got to be a top three guy, somebody that you rely upon on an everyday basis, somebody that you can expect a very low-scoring game when he takes the mound. You view Libertor like you view Gallegos, I think that's a win or at least an offset of a trade for you. The only thing that I would maybe slightly push back on a little bit with the comparison to Voight is that none of us expected Voight to become this. 
there were a lot of Cardinals fans that were really excited, meanwhile, about Randy Arozarena and what he could be because he did nothing but hit in the minors at every level, every opportunity he had, every time that he had an opportunity to show himself, he proved himself to be quite a good hitter. And so if you look at what Randy Arozarena could have been for the Cardinals now, that is a gaping hole that they currently have on their roster and they could have had it filled with him. Meanwhile, Matthew Liebertor, I think he has to be better than that is what I'm trying to get to. I think he has to be better than Dakota Hudson. I think he has to be better than what Gallegos is for you. I think he needs to be a legitimate top end starter. He's got to be, if not an ace, a number one quality type of starter for you for this to work out because of what position he is. You're still looking. You're still searching for that outfielder, that middle of your order bat. You now in the offseason have to figure out what do we do here? Do, do we have to go pay $25 million to bring in George Springer? Do we have to deal from our current excess with the young starters to be able to go get that same player that we just dealt? And so to be able to offset that, to offset what you lost in Randy Rosarena, I think it actually boosts what the expectations need to be unfairly. It's not fair to Matthew Liberatore for this to be the case, but he has to be even better to make this actually work out. Textline makes a really good point. J.D. Drew for Adam Wainwright is what you did. If a Rosarena is J.D. Drew, then Liberatore needs to be Wayno for you. Yeah. It's an interesting comp. I mean, truly is. J.D. Drew was a guy that there were there was excitement for because he was an everyday hitter for you in the outfield. If Randy A's that, then you need an Adam Wainwright for a Matt Libator. Yeah, and let's not forget here, guys, Randy Rosarena, it's not like this is three, four years in a row. It's a very small sample size. And I know that we can say, well, he's still going to be this, he's still going to be that. It's early. It's early. And I'm not ready to go and put this guy in the Hall of Fame as of yet, just like I'm not ready to say that Matthew Liebertor is going to be an ace in this league. We don't know. Time will tell. So I don't know. I, I'm Again, I'm back on the side of it's really hard to compare trades until both players are in the majors and you see what you truly have. Even though the Cardinals have an excess of pitchers, I still think it's unfair to grade this trade yet. I think that once you see what you get in Libertor or what you get for Libertor, if you move them on, I think at that point, you know, yeah, we can grade it right now, but I think at that point we get a more official grade. I'm not trying to grade it right now. I'm trying to project, right? If we're projecting forward and we just, because you're absolutely right, Jamie, it's a super small sample size with what we've seen so far from Randy Rosarena, and he's not going to be this good moving forward. He He's just... This is as good as you could possibly be as a player. It's it's literally historic levels of what he's performing like right now in the postseason. So he's not going to continue this in the future. However, I am pretty confident after what we've seen. And again, I know it's small sample size. I think he's going to be a quality major league player that can bat towards the two, three in your order and is going to play pretty solid defense and is really good on the bases, by the way. Let's not let's not lose sight of that. Is also really fast, is a threat to steal anytime he gets on and can get first to third on a single. Like he, He's a guy that's going to be a threat there as well. So when you look at all of that and with what the Cardinals are missing and with what the Cardinals are good at, which is developing pitching, I think it puts even higher expectations. I agree with what we heard from Stalter coming into this segment. It puts even higher, more unrealistic, unfair, all of that is true, expectations on Matthew Libertor because of what you traded away, because of what Randy Rosarena appears to be as a player. And that's it's not what I'm saying right now. It's what I'm projecting forward as to how the Cardinals don't lose this trade. I don't know that they're going to win it, but how do you not lose it by him becoming a, a top-of-the-line starting pitcher? 
Libertor. Or acquiring a top-of-the-line player for his rights. Again, we also need to sit here and, and Randy A has to be this consecutive seasons. Like he's got to put three or four years of this, maybe not this because this is incredible numbers, but something very impressive for three to four years before we sit here and say, boy, the Cardinals can't, they, they lost this trade because this year is incredible. Yes. But you do need to see a couple of years of this consistently in major league. Yeah. But we're reacting to what's happened in the moment. You I agree. Know, that's what we do. We, we react to what's happening right now. And right now he looks like the best hitter. Oh, in baseball. Yeah, we certainly have to react. To it. <laughs> it can't sit here. and well, not It's, react it's to it, the right? same like, with Luke Voigt too. I mean, that, that first couple of, of at bats with the Yankees, when he's hitting home run after home run, people are like, Oh, we're overreacting here. It's Luke Voigt. It's only been a couple of years, but it's like, okay, but he's doing it still. Still, and nobody saw that coming. I don't think people really expected to see a 600 plus hitter of a Randy Rosarena. No, nobody expected to see that because it it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a 600 hitter. He's he might be a 280 hitter though. And if he's hitting 280 and his he's hitting 25 to 30 bombs, what are the Cardinals missing? They're missing that. That's what they need. And also, he's cost-controlled. I think this is the big part, is we're going into an offseason where we we say all of these names and we talk about who can they bring in. And every time we talk to somebody that's actually an expert on the Cardinals, Derek Gould or Mark Saxon or Danny Mac, they're like, uh, I don't know that this team's going to be adding any payroll this offseason. I, I wouldn't yeah. expect that necessarily. Well, guess what Randy Rosarena does not do? He doesn't add payroll. He's on the team minimum going into next season. He's going to be making $500,000. And so if you've got a two or a three hole hitter for you with him that you go into next year really excited about, it completely changes the complexion of that lineup. It changes the way that we are looking at the outfield. If I told you guys that next year going into the season, it's Carlson in center, Randy Arozarena in left, Dexter Fowler in right, and now we can look at potentially adding either a third baseman or a DH to this lineup. We're feeling really good going into the offseason. We think this team might have a chance to be something more interesting going into next year than we otherwise would. That's why it's so tough for me to watch this right now, because Matthew Liebertor, even if he's a good pitcher, what does it mean? You still got to have hitting mm-hmm. because as you said all season, Jamie, your pitching still has to be perfect yep. for you to be able to do anything. And maybe Liebertor helps you become more perfect. But then you get into the playoffs and you play the Padres <laughs> Still and they score the three runs and eventually you got to score four. And this lineup right now hasn't shown the ability to do that. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's go into some NFL quick hitters, including an unbelievable stat leading into this 49ers game over the weekend. I'll tell you what that is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into some NFL quick hitters. I mentioned this before the break, Jamie. Sunday is going to mark the first time all season that the San Francisco 49ers are going to take the field against a team that has actually won a game. First time all year. They previously had not played a game against a team that had previously won a game. That team this weekend is the Miami Dolphins. Now, Jamie, whenever you've got a schedule like this, it's really hard to come to any sort of conclusions as to how good that team is, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't play anybody that's won, it becomes difficult to know how good you actually are. Who are the teams that right now you guys are on the mo- on the fence the most about? Like you're you're coming into every week and you're like, is this team good? I, I really don't know. Oh God. Who's the team <laughs> right now for you that you're having the most trouble figuring out? 
I, I, what they are right Should now. we isolate conferences first? Because uh, to me, in my opinion, I feel like there's a good handful of these ones, like two or three for sure on okay. each conference. Let's start with the AFC. Who's your team in the AFC, your teams, I guess, in the AFC that you are most on the fence about right now? You're not sure what they are exactly at this point in the season. Cleveland Browns, yeah. for sure. I have no idea what they are. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, they're 3-0, and but I think that's like almost a fraudulent 3-0 and at this point. because they can't play. Yeah, one, they can't play. Uh, and the last one from the AFC, I'll still throw this team in there, the Indianapolis Colts. I feel like week to week I find myself on the fence, like should I bet them, should I not? Like I'm on the Browns and the AFC South. Like, I don't know anything about the AFC South. I have no idea. <laughs> well, that's true, Titans, too. Titans, Colts, Jags, Texans, I have no idea. They're they're like, oh, they're crapshoots every single week, it feels like. I'm not totally sure that the Texans can't still win that division. Like, I think they can't, but I'm not totally sure they're that they not, can't. Like, it's not impossible. No. No, the Titans are three games up on them so far, and I don't know if I believe in that team. I think they're still going to win the division, them or the Colts, but I'm not totally sure. I don't believe that those guys are juggernauts by any stretch those are the teams for me for i also Ariel. feel like the only I'll, all of those are right the chargers are the other one for me too and now with justin herbert for how good he's been every week i go into it like okay well this defense should be able to shut these guys down and they like they'll score something but then every week it's like okay they're good for about two quarters and then they just drop off they're last year's lions for me yeah i think they're better than the record's gonna be at the end of the season and that was the case last year for the lions if you remember they almost beat the chiefs last year early in the season and then eventually matt stafford got hurt and everything kind of went down the crap from there but the lions were better than their record indicated the first eight or so weeks of the season last year i think that's gonna be what ultimately happens for the Chargers as well. Let's go over to the NFC. Who are the teams in the NFC that right now you're having a really tough time putting your finger on exactly what they are, Jamie? Well, we'll start uh, NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. I am absolutely just puzzled. I, week to week again, when we're betting pick them on those games, I'm like, I just don't know what Cowboys team we're going to see. So that that to me, the Cowboys there. NFC North, Chicago Bears, for sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Tricky Nicky. Tricky Nicky, Risky Trubisky. I don't know what the heck's going on in Chicago. That's a, that's a team I just would not bet on, period. NFC South, I have to say it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. I don't know what they are. You know, are they Tom Brady's team? Are they Bruce Arians team? <laughs> are they a good team? I, I haven't figured that out. Um, and NFC West, I'm still on the fence with the Los Angeles Rams. I just don't really? know. Really? I think I know what the Rams are. I, I think they're too. a good, not great team. Yeah. Well, okay, then there you go. I'll give you that because I'm just not sure. So I'll let you guys yeah. have the opinion on that one. But the other ones, those are my picks. I think the Rams are the team that can score two touchdowns, but the defense might give up two touchdowns and a field goal and lose that game. Like that's at least the Vikings are the one for me. Every that's week I go one. into it and I'm saying, well, you got Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. This defense is phenomenal. And then they just don't do anything. They can't stop a touchdown. Like for me, the Minnesota Vikings, I came into the season thinking, okay, maybe they can get over the hump of the New Orleans Saints this year. Now, I don't even know if they can make the postseason. I've got a lot in the NFC. I feel like I've got a pretty good handle of everybody in the AFC for the most part outside of the South. In the NFC, it's totally wide open for me. I have no idea what the Cowboys are. None. I, I, I Let me clarify. I know what the Cowboys are. They've got an unbelievable offense and a terrible defense. I don't know where that gets you at the end of the year. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix what their defense is right now. This weekend's huge for them. 
Cowboys taking on the Giants, and if they can't stop that offense, it's over. They are not a real contender. If you can't stop that Giants offense, which has been putrid all season long, especially with no Saquon, I have no faith in them being a legitimate contender this year. So the Cowboys are the first team. The Bears and the Vikings, both in the NFC North. You guys got into both of them. I have the same feelings about them. And the NFC South. I don't know on the Bucks or the Saints or the Panthers what they are. <laughs> None of them. <laughs> the Panthers are the ones that's really surprising to me. They're well coached. Teddy looked really good last week. They beat my Cardinals, who, by the way, I have no idea what to make of at this point. Is Robbie Anderson a legit wide receiver? He's good. <laughs> DJ Moore has become their number two receiver. They've got this running back, Mike Davis, who was a no name up in Chicago for a few years. And he's basically 80% of Christian McCaffrey now. <laughs> And then over the NFC West, it's the Cardinals and the 49ers for me. I don't know what the 49ers are because I don't know that we've seen what the 49ers are. Well, they're not are. even healthy, right? So we don't even know, like, at all. They they haven't been healthy yet, and they lost Nick Bosa. That's, it's just not the same team that they were a year ago, but they still can be a good team. I'm pretty sure on that. I think they can make the playoffs. I just don't know what the ceiling is for what this version of that team is. And the Cardinals, what happened? They looked like they were going to be a real contender early in the season. And then the last couple of weeks, they've been bad. Yeah, how does the defense get that bad? Like, how do you go from having Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker out there thinking, OK, like these guys can compete to being the worst defensive team in the pass game in the league? It's brutal, man. And some of it might just be, hey, they beat Washington in week two and they beat the 49ers and had a really impressive performance in week one. Maybe this is what they are is what they've been the last couple of weeks. But that's a team that I do not have a handle on at all. All right. NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. Which game, guys, for you in the 101 ESPN Fast Lane versus Rizzuto Show Challenge? You can make your picks right now on 101ESPN.com. Which game are you having the most trouble picking right now? Because I've got a few this week that stand out. Well, I, I threw them at our buddy Ben Heisler yesterday because I had so many question marks surrounding these games specifically. And that was the Jacksonville-Houston game and the Indianapolis-Cleveland game. I just... I feel like they're coin tosses, both of those. Now, Ben Heisler did say that he expects the Houston Texans to be much better, as we talked about, too. They got a brand new coach in there, probably different attitude, probably a little more energized. So, you know, I guess I'm leaning to Houston on that one. And Colts and Browns, Nick Chubb out of the lineup. I think that he's a big part of that offense and what they've been able to do in the last couple weeks. So I, I did go over and I, I did pick the Indianapolis Colts in that one. Yeah, the, the Colts-Browns ones really messes with me because I want to go Cleveland and I went Cleveland last week and it was paid off for me. The other one is the Vikings one. And I talked about why the Vikings, I don't remember who they play against, but I picked the Vikings, but I was very stressed out picking the Vikings. I sat there thinking, okay, well, you got Dalvin Cook. He can score some touchdowns for you. Kirk Cousins hopefully won't blow this out of the water, but that was another one that kind of threw me a couple curveballs. I would say the Bears and Buccaneers won, but uh, <laughs> went the damn Bucks and look what happened. Your Vikings, uh, they got it pretty easy. They're only playing Seattle. Oh, good. Yeah, that, that one's going to go well for you. Their defense sucks, right? <laughs> Russell so, Wilson's terrible. The tough part is there's a couple of games this week that are like 50-50 either way in the pick em, right? So the Colts versus the Browns. I right now have picked the Colts. I think that's the right side. Don't start flip-flopping. Do it. Flip no, it. No. Flip it. I kind of like the idea of going with the Browns, though. 
because oh, 68 per, or 62 percent of the oh no 62 percent of the users are going with the browns i had this wrong i had it flip-flopped i'm going colts oh, damn Colts it. all the way oh wait no that's a good thing uh the one though that i'm having a lot of trouble with you guys know how much i've loved the falcons all year falcons panthers i have no feel for what's oh, no feel is there a winner in that game <laughs> i have no idea ordinarily i'd say with the fans but not even them well there might be a lot of points scored nobody's gonna stop anybody in that one that's a good point julio jones is expected to probably miss that game they've got zacharias now as their receiver that's stepping up yeah that was my reaction that's when i up. saw him playing last week him. too that's made up yeah me neither our fan duel thing that we're doing between all of the a lot of the hosts jamie's not included he didn't want to do it with me He's on the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app, but he's not doing the daily side with me and Stalter. I can't keep up. I have did, four kids, BK. I don't live wanna... in my in-laws basement. Okay, buddy. <laughs> wow, that, that really flowed off the tongue easily for you. <laughs> you had that loaded and ready to go. I had Calvin Ridley in my lineup last week, and he had zero targets in the game. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> Meanwhile, Zacharias is just dominating out there, so Again. that's another one that I'm really struggling with. Is that a full name, name or no, is that just, just a last name? Just a last it's name. It's a made-up yep. name. It's not real. Yep. Uh, last one for you guys. NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. If there's going to be an upset this weekend, which upset right now would you call for? An upset over the weekend, which upset do you guys think is very much in, a, in the possibility? Oh, my goodness. I think it already happened, in my opinion, yeah. that the Bears beat the Buccaneers. That's kind of the one that I would look at. Um you know, I guess Houston beating Jacksonville is technically an upset based on record, but it really isn't. Yeah, and in Vegas, Houston's the five-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, so um, you know what? If there's an upset, I'm going to go Miami over San Francisco. I like it. I think Fitzmagic. I just I, I never bet against him last year. I did this year, and it's hurt me a couple times. I'm going to go Fitzmagic against a banged-up 49ers team. I'm going to stick with my team and keep the optimism going. I'm going to go with the Vikings over the Seahawks. Wow. Uh, maybe it's going to be an offensive slobber knocker. Nope. That doesn't compare there. Um, but, I, you know, maybe the Vikings can pull this one out. I'm going to stick with it. So I'll say the Vikings pull the upset. So I have very little confidence in this. However, I'm going to go ahead and pick it nonetheless. You guys know I love one of these teams. The Raiders. I'm going to no. Mm-mm. I'm going to take the Eagles as the upset if there's going to be a big one this week. An upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are a 7 point favorite at home. Steelers last week had their game canceled when they were supposed to be playing against the Titans. So now they're coming off of 2 weeks basically of rest. I think I'll go with the Eagles here. Oh. They might have figured a couple of things out going up against the 49ers last weekend in that matchup that they ultimately won. Got that first win out of the way. I'll go with the Eagles if there's going to be an upset this weekend as the one that I would pick. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 1.30 on a Friday. You know what that means. One's got to go on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. the air comfort service tax line for one's gotta go one's gotta go boys let's start with this one this is a little bit more complicated than our normal quick easy four things oh great so make sure you're ta- you're you're paying attention here all right one gotta go the text that comes through that says we need to talk driving next to a semi turbulence while you're on a plane or the eas test sound <laughs> the text that says we need to talk Driving next to a semi-truck, 
turbulence while you're on the plane or the EAS test that we all dislike hearing. <laughs> I really <laughs> this do. This is creative. I like your style on this one, buddy. Uh, driving next to a semi means nothing to me. Turbulence. Oh, I get... Because Jamie is a semi. Mm. I just... I if it know. was semi with rain, that would stress me out a little bit more. That one does nothing to me. Turbulence on a plane, I've had it a million times. The EAS tests, I feel like I'm immune to it. So, yeah, the we need to talk text. Oh, come on. Jamie Rivers gets the we need to talk text. He's like... Nope, don't need to. This, well, that's a good point, but it means still that something like you're right there, you think, oh, damn, what now? <laughs> what did I do? Like, I, that one makes me even more like, ah, oh, than the other <laughs> one. So, yeah, we need to talk. has got to go for sure. I'm going to go turbulence on the airplane, man. And oh. the semi trucks stress me out, but I don't like flying. And as soon as there's turbulence, I hit the ultimate panic mode where you start clutching the, the hand grips and looking around like, oh, my God, are we going to die? Are we going down? <laughs> that's I don't like it at all. Holly you guys know, I told you guys before, I am I'm a nervous Nelly when I'm flying. It's it's not good, especially going up and coming down. Not good for me. So when you're up and you're supposed to be just at your cruising altitude and things start going. It's like, what is going on? Why, why can I feel everything shaking? And then, of course, the captain comes over and he's like, hey, just just a little bit of turbulence here. Uh, go ahead and put your seatbelts on. We would like all of the flight attendants to please take their seats oh, for God. the safety of everybody on the plane. Hey, can we get you a new pair of pants, sir? It's like, what do you mean for the safety of everybody on the plane? They should be able to walk around. We're safe, right? We're safe. We're good. This is, we're, this is fine. No. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for one gotta go so for me one gotta go is absolutely the turbulence on the plane one gotta go stores that are suddenly closed when you arrive buffering for your videos pop-up ads or when you can't remember your login info oh my god you've just oh, hit three yeah. things that in my world send me to you've the just straight jacket just triggered the me. store that is suddenly closed when you arrive the buffering videos pop-up ads or when you can't remember your login info. One's got to go, Jamie. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. The stores that close when you arrive, that's just frustrating. That angers me for sure. Buffering videos is a whole other level of frustration, specifically if you're, like, Netflixing it one night and you're, like, halfway through this movie and all of a sudden decides to go, boop, 47, 51, 51, And then it naturally 51. gets stuck. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It gets to 90 and goes 91, 92, 92, 92. Oh, like, oh my God. God. Ours that's- has been doing the thing where it gets stuck on the same number. Yeah, every yeah. time. It's like, it's 30, like 29. 33 yeah. at my house. Gets, I know the game's over. <laughs> mine gets stuck on 99 because, you know, you've waited all the way to 99. Of course, it'll stop there on you. I've actually, uh, just a side note here, I've I've bypassed that. I have like 100 yards of internet cable from when oh, I was in I Europe. I thought you said you broke the television, so nope. you didn't have to worry about it anymore. Nope. So I go right from the hard wire, and I'll be like, okay, plan B. I grab this roll of internet cable, and we go <laughs> click and plug into the TV. I'm like, take that, Netflix. <laughs> We get rid of that. So the buffering video, I feel like I have a little bit of a handle on that right now. The pop-up ads, yeah, they're a pain in the you-know-what. I, oh, my God. I've had some issues with those on my work computer right now that need to be dealt with. Drive me nuts. But for me, I think the number one thing that has to go is can't remember login info. You guys know me. I still can't even. Heck, Mike Ryder, I still can't even get in my work email because I can't remember my login. Been here for, what, two years? Yeah, I don't Not even know. Deal. But so, yeah, login and password info and all that, that's got to go. The store. 
store closed when you get there. I feel like I haven't run into that that often. Oh, um, it's the worst. Yeah, I, I just be you. Yeah, I was gonna say you got to check <laughs> the schedule from Google, now right? on when you do that. Yeah, there's um, Google for that. The the pop up ads. I feel like I'm immune to because it happens so much that you just sit there and you wait so you can skip the ad. Buffering really piss, pisses me off, but the login information is the ultimate because it happens to me all the time because I have to change it all the time. That's the thing is these yeah. websites are like, hey, we need you to change every month and yeah, you like can't use later. one that you've previously used. You're like, I've only got like yeah. four. I have like <laughs> 17 passwords around. I'll always like turn to Katie like, hey, what's our password on this? I have no idea. Okay, cool. Reset the password. Have to log in and reset it. Symbols. Oh, I hate this. Cap. Yeah. No cap. Numbers. We just have a Double universal symbol. one. Damn. The the worst is so I went to uh, I went to but I went to a store and got some new clothes the other day right and they did the thing where they say hey if you come back and spend a hundred dollars you get fifty dollars off they give you that coupon right and you can use it in store or online they got so you like all right sweet I'll just I'll just go online and do it that way right so I've got a credit card through this place and so I was trying to log in with my credit card. Nope, can't do it. For whatever reason, it's not working. So I say, okay, I forgot my password. Right, reset. Mm, easy. Gonna be easy. That's where they get you. <laughs> it never sent anything to my email. So now, oh 20 boy. minutes later or whatever, I'm calling them, and I'm on the 1-800 line, and you know how this goes. Hey, I would like to reset my password, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, well, what's your card number? Well, when I go into the place, I can just put in my social. So I don't have a credit card from a, a physical credit card. I just mm. put in the social, and it's connected to my account. So that way, I don't carry it around with me everywhere. Well, when you don't have the card with you, they're like, well, you really need a physical card. Otherwise, we can't do anything like this for you. I was like, so I, I can't use the coupon. They're like, no, we need to send you this and it won't be to you until like two weeks from now. However, like, okay, sweet. <laughs> what's your mother's maiden name and what was your first pet's name? Yeah. What school did you go to? <laughs> my favorite on. color. And by the way, don't forget that you answered this seven years yeah. ago. So it might have changed. Yeah, what was now, your man. favorite team back then? Oh, wait, did I spell the actual team name right? Uh, oh, God. Uh, by the way, I am going to go with actually for this one buffering video while we just continuously yeah. complained about the login information you just realized oh yeah buffering videos is still there oh, yeah. that's the worst god that sucks i hate it so much because you have to turn it on and off and on and off and you're like can you please just load i'm telling you 100 yards of internet cable <laughs> need to get hooked up with that six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line for one gotta go this one comes from the text line uh from the three one or six three six rather one's gotta go ab light beer edition bud light Bush Light, Mick Ultra, or Natty Light? Bud Light, Bush Light, Mick Ultra, or Natty Light? Which one are you going They're going to all of them. Well, none of them have to go. Let's be honest, okay? That's true. They're yeah, these are all good options. These are all good options. Uh, Mick Ultra's got to go. What? I mean, oh, yeah. No. Whoa. No. Yeah, listen. Whoa. Hear me out, guys. This is terrible. Hear me out. Okay. Bud Light's a given. It's staying. It's a staple in all of our lives, or at least it should be. Push light and natty light. Come on, you guys are some college sons of guns here. You know you like those beers. Come on. I, oh, I've had plenty of natty yeah. light in my day. Yes. And yeah. I think Bush Light's actually good. It is good. And natty light, I'm thinking about you college guys out there, college girls out there. Natty light. Come Why'd on. you look at me when you said that? Because I figure you went to college. Well, both of you guys went to college. I you didn't probably, you, know, you, you said college like girls and you, you winked at me on that one. No, you look like a natty light guy. BK looks like a guy who turned his nose up to that. I had so much bush light back in the day. <laughs> I was more of a bush light kind of a guy, but we definitely had plenty of natty light. So Mick Ultra, I like Mick Ultra. I'd drink it right now if it was here. In fact, do we have any? Yeah. Anyways, um, but it's got to go right now. I'm getting rid of natty light.
I, I, I like Mick Ultra. I got to get rid of Natty Light. And I take Bush Light over Natty Light. You've changed. I have changed. Well, today's been a rough day for Ferrario anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Natty Light's got to go. Unfortunately, it's Bud Light that has to go. Oh. How? That, you can't get rid Bush of that. Bush Light, Natty Light, both very enjoyable. Perfect for a float trip as well. You're drinking water, right? I like their flavor a little better than Bud Light. And by the way, Mick Ultra Pure Gold, what you guys have done with that is just outstanding. The Mick Ultra Golden Light and the Pure Gold well, are incredible. You know, you know why he got rid of it, Rivs? Because he's not doing too well in the Pick'em Challenge because they're sponsored by Bud Light. Oh, wow. Okay, you didn't have to bring it up. By the way, so... I did, what? Mike Ryder did. I'm, I'm doing a Pick'em also with... Kara, my fiance, and her family, You're right? just gambling everywhere. <laughs> I try to get as you much action into this. man. to worry about. You need to start cuddling cows. <laughs> Somebody just tuned in, and they're going to be wondering what that what is. And you got to listen to the podcast on 101ESPN.com at 1245 to find out. So we have her entire family, most of which do not watch football, including <laughs> her niece, who is six years old, who doesn't care about football. There are 15 people in this group. Don't do it, BK. I mm-hmm. am currently 13th in the pickup <laughs> challenge. You are a factory of the dog is ahead of him. <laughs> the dog just puts his paw on which one he's gonna vote for each I'm week. I'm a football guy. There is a there is a newborn that is in this that is literally picking by slapping the table on which side he likes, and he's ahead of me. Well, that's cute. It is cute, actually. I covered this damn league for a living. I'm 13th out of 15, Jamie. How am I so bad at this? I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, it's not good. It's really bad for me right now. It's really, really bad. I need to get back on the right side of things. And yesterday was not a good start. No, it wasn't. Chris Ranji's stupid Chicago Bears won that game. Now all of a sudden he's a Bears fan now. What a jerk. What a jerk. Just ridiculous. That's his fault. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. and Alex Ferrario and the drumline himself, Anthony Stalter. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over. Stalter, what's going on, man? How we doing? We're good. It's Friday. Jamie's done double duty today. It's been impressive. Oh, yeah. We had some fun in here today, Anthony. Double duty again? Yeah, we no, we didn't. Uh, we did a little something different. We threw a curveball at the uh, uh, 101 listeners. We did a live version of of the last minute blues podcast. And we, uh, that's right. We allowed Donnie Fandango. Well, actually we invited Donnie Fandango and we allowed, uh, Jeff, Burton to come in here, yeah, there's high security around, Bur- but still. Burton was here. Burton was actually in the uh, studio right there. Actually. He used that mic. Yeah. Yeah. He sat in the chair too. So Should be, be oh. careful. Yeah. Be careful. I'm sure things will be fine. Yeah. He wasn't, there's he was things missing wearing too. pants. I'm sure. Everyone needs to know that. He what? He was wearing pants. Well, slack breakaways. Actually. That's true. Aren't they always right? Uh, Stoltz, I am having a difficult time in the fast lane challenge overall right now, but um, in particular with your team this weekend, what am I supposed to do with them against the Panthers? Take the Panthers. <laughs> I'm not even trolling. That was Take simple. The Panthers. That was really simple. <laughs> Look, the, the Falcons a year ago when they were one in seven, they went into the bye break and uh, everybody's like, okay, well, maybe this is the time that they fire Dan Quinn. 
and the players fought for him. They circled the wagons, and they wound up going six and two in the last eight games. They're not going to circle wag- the wagons this time around. I could see him potentially getting let go on Tuesday if they lose to the Panthers. And I think there's a realistic uh, possibility of that. I think the Panthers are they're not the better team in terms of being more talented. Yeah, they seemingly got a better coach in Matt Rule. I think he's good, and Teddy Bridgewater's playing well for them. And that defense, can t- I mean, the four of us are, are starting in the Falcons secondary again on Sunday. It's, oh, just, not, it's just not a good situation. Uh, the other question that I have for you, because I'm, I'm throwing my picks <laughs> off of you. Browns Colts, it is now a legitimate pick em in Vegas. What am I supposed to do with this one? We're all struggling on it. Browns, Browns, I know Browns, where I went. Browns. I went Colts on it. So did I. Great. I don't, I wouldn't bet it, but I went, well, I I went with did. the Colts Well, we well. have to. We're I, all I mean, in the pick em together. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. But I mean, I still you did. put your you put your rear end on the line. Yeah, what's bigger, a rear end or fifty bucks? Well, I think it's you're talking to. Pretty large caboose. Yeah, it's Let's be huge. honest. It's a yard yeah. and a half he was in right the NHL there. for a while. It's big. I was wrong about the Browns last Whoa. week against uh, against Dallas. These days, but I'm mad at myself. The Colts also have. I mean, they're statistically they're not they're the number one defense. Yeah, but they haven't played anybody yet. That's that's the issue. But I. Thought that that group was underrated last week. You you just pounded the table because you had the Browns. I, I, I've been no, on the Colts. I, I was a total wimp last week. I had, so, I had like three games that I was like, I should probably take the upset here. And I felt, I even said it to you on air. I was like, this, I think this is going to happen. And then I got to my pick them and I was like, no, favorites, favorite, 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 favorite. <laughs> That's what happens. We get so, we just get so obsessed with the, the, the point spread in that. And, we should just not look at the spread when we're doing our pickums. Yeah, so well, they uh, call it pickum, right? That's right. Okay, I need to do better. Thirteen out of fifteen Jamie. in uh, yes in my home pickum as well. So it's it's not going well for everybody. Being, the box. Uh, a newborn is beating him. Really? Yeah, and a dog well. and a dog, which is phenomenal. I didn't even know that was I'm possible. I'm ahead of the cat. Oh, well, the that's cat. good. <laughs> nice. Always got to be ahead of the cat. Hmm. Everybody have the box last it. night. Hmm? Yeah. Everybody go down and made the dumb choice. Did you? What do you think? I took the Bucks. What do you think? Of course, I took the Bucks. Right, that's right. You're the you're wearing your Tom Brady underwear. <sighs> am I supposed to make anything of that game? Like, am I supposed to have a big picture takeaway of the Bears are better than I thought, the Bucks are worse than I thought? You guys brought up a good point. I mean, the Bucks are undisciplined. That that whole drive, Jamie, you you touched upon it a couple of times. You're absolutely right. That drive coming out of the third quarter, especially after Ronald Jones breaks off a great run. He showed the, the speed and the vision and all that coming out of USC. That that's why they took him, right? He's been pretty solid this year for them. They, he gets to the 30-yard line, and I think they punted right around midfield. They went straight back. It, they, was, it was awful. That drive cost them the football game because mm-hmm. at minimum, they should have got a field goal. At minimum. And they end up punting the ball back to the other team. Yeah, And that's, to me, that cost them the game. That whole set of downs. And I don't think you can project moving forward that Tom Brady's going to forget the down again. I I don't yeah, think that's going to happen go anymore, right? We brought it up earlier, and I said, you know what I know is Tom knows how to count to six championships. Okay, Jamie. Stoltz mm. counts to four, apparently. <laughs> so immature. I know it's all I got today, Stoltz. So I don't, just think, don't see that. I don't think that's going to happen in the future because we have never well, seen it from him. have seen the immaturity out of Jamie. What I mean is Brady losing count of how many flipping downs there are. Nobody it's in the audience old. was confused by that. You're not as old as him. I so, got the. I went out of the house wearing pants the other day. Sonality is just uh, a week away. <laughs> the, the, Our the tough part is I can never tell. I, I think that's true. Oh, I'm it's not absolutely true. Yeah, I, walked out true. I thought I had my, sure uh, my workout shorts on. I'm like, I'm just going to run out and grab a few things out of the truck. I look around wearing bright orange Fruit of the Loom underwear. Yep. 
At least they weren't speedos. I, all, all the neighbors, they looked like they were kind of interested. You're welcome, neighbors. That's what's coming yeah, up today no on the charge. Fast Lane, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Alex Petrangelo, potential landing spots for him. Alex, did he sign officially? Or? Okay. Oh, wow. All right. In 2013, he did. Hey, it happens, man. It happens. So, yeah, in case you missed I'm it. I'm stupid. No. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Alex, you were excited. You were excited. He, he fired off the excited. breaking news was a little sounder earlier. Too excited to announce that you Petro signed in what, 2016? Loser. 2013. 2013. 2013. It was that no far? Okay. It's not even the same jersey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have any facial hair on him. The I should have looked. Picture was in black and white. They used the. <laughs> The damn picture was no facial hair. You think they would have used him holding a cup up if they re-sign him? Uh, God, what an idiot! You are one pathetic loser. You're fine. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> I can't NFL, wait to listen. Things like that. So uh, no cow cuddling coming up on the fast. No, 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 no. I was listening to you guys. I'm like, you're missing this out. Boy, this is just something. <laughs> High brow. It's a Friday. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back on Monday at 11 o'clock for Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Have a good week in Fastlane coming up next. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.